here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm so jacked up just thinking about this match, and I'm standing and pacing it like that. Mikazi now he's not okay, so, so Mik- he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a, a boy. He's a man. He's a man. Are you ready? He got PWS superstar. Fuck it, fuck. He was gone in two minutes. So in go Bernalis. In Bernalis. In go Bernalis. You're missing a B there, but that's fine. There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Are you having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! Merry, 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 makey, 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 pishy, pishy! Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling podcast. I am Rich Cranch alongside, as always, the King of Banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how are you? Rich, I have some advice right off the bat for all of these single ladies who listen to this mm-hmm. show, which probably... Of which many, of which many do, of course. You know, I've broken down the demographics, and unlike Lucha Underground, which draws zero female viewers, as we all know, uh, this show actually, Rich, does literally dozens of uh, single lady listeners. So That's true. I've got some advice for them. Are you ready for this advice, Rich? Uh, this is going to be terrible, but yeah, go ahead. This is actually fantastic advice, I'll tell you. <laughs> I feel like it's not going to be, but okay. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to listen. I've, I've I had an epiphany today. Okay. If you're a single lady out there, I'm going to tell you where you can meet a good man. There's a little bit of advice, a little bit of help. What you got to do is you got to go to your local grocery store, okay? And you got to go around 5 or 6 p.m. The time is key. 
Go to the grocery store. Okay, I think I think I, I think I see where you're going, but go ahead. Okay. Right, right. Around five or six PM. And then just hang around and just be real creepy around the pre cooked rotisserie chickens. Yep, that's exactly or yeah, it's okay. Yeah, that's where I thought you were going, because that's that's a staple of single men. I gotta tell is. you, Rich. <laughs> I make this trek to the grocery store to get a pre cooked rotisserie chicken no less than three times a week when I leave work. Okay? And I eat the whole goddamn thing in about 18 minutes. It's disgusting. It probably looks like something on Game of Thrones. I'm just digging in with my hands. <laughs> you need a shower afterwards, too. You're just dripping with grease. And- Rich, I'm, I'm like ripping wings off of the animal in the car before I even get home like and just sucking down the wing meat before I even get home. Like, it's, an, it's, it's, it's an abomination. It's disgusting. But the point being, I, I buy one of these uh, animals three times a week. And and every time I go in there, it's always right around quitting time, the old quitting time. You know what I'm saying? So I go in there, and you know who it is all the time? It's me and like three or four other dudes in business cash, okay, standing around the pre-cooked rotisserie chickens, giving each other the man nod. You know the man nod. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. giving each other the man nod because we know. You know, we're all dead behind the eyes. <laughs> We're all, you live horrible existences. <laughs> we're all dead behind the eyes. We're all getting our pre-cooked rotisserie chicken. We're all going home to watch the same awful sport game uh, with some sort of sport ball, whatever sport ball of choice you enjoy. And, you know, some of us are holding six packs if we like to imbibe in the alcohol. Uh, in my case, we'll hold maybe a case of Coke Zero. You know what I mean? Some of us have maybe a, a pre-cooked side dish, like a macaroni and cheese or a uh, mashed potato of some type. To go with the chicken. How extensive are your pre-cooked areas now? Because like my grocery stores now, they have like I don't know if it's a thing everywhere now, but my thing there's like a whole like they call it the hot bar. It's just like sweet. Like there's so many different things. Like because it used to just be you would get like the chicken tenders uh, and then the pre you know the pre-cooked rotisserie chicken. That was it. Those were your only two options. And then you had to like like you said <coughs> uh, get like um you know macaroni salad or something with that. Now they have tons of stuff. They have like salmon. They got pork roast. They got, they got tons of stuff now. They got everything. Okay, so yours has that as well. But we all migrate to the pre-cooked rotisserie <laughs> chicken. I mean, that's... I'm horribly sick, but I can't mute my mic, so I'm going to just cough constantly. So sorry. Yeah, Rich, you sound disgusting. I, I know it. I can't get rid of this the, thing. I've had it for a the week. The nurse is going to be a single lady soon. I mean, you're, you're going to drop dead over here. This is unbelievable. Oh, no. Remember last week when I complained about it? It's still going. Like, I can't get rid of it. I've done everything. Here's the problem. You do no less than 19 podcasts a week. That does not help. You're spreading yourself too thin. You got to calm down, my friend. Okay. You got you to gotta get John on the line and say, listen, we got to take a KMP off this week because I'm going to die. Okay? Uh, he'd be all right with that. Uh, you know, he doesn't want you to die because then there's no KMP show. You understand? KMP show this week, by the way, breakdown of the NBA Finals and the Derrick Rose trade. So go yes. listen to that mm-hmm. in the Voices of the Wrestling podcast feed. Uh, but, but yes, Rich, I tell you, a lot of eligible bachelors okay. and single men hanging around the pre-cooked. Are they street, ones, you know, not you included, Are were the other ones – what, were they men that you would want? These were all decent-looking guys, I'll tell you. Of course you. Of course you are the, you know, the pick of the litter, but like... I'm a tremendous catch, but... Yeah, the other ones. The, I, well, here, I give the appearance of being a tremendous catch, but then mm-hmm. once you start peeling off the layers, you're like, uh, this JL's no good. You know what I mean? But these men all appeared to be decent catches. You know what I mean? I can... Listen, Rich, I'm... They have jobs. You know that. Yeah, so that's, that's right. Good. They that's definitely one. have jobs. They definitely have their, their salary men. Because they were all, you know, like I said, the business casual. You know what I mean? And it's like it's. It, I've I've recognized. Sometimes I run into the same guys. You know what I mean? It's like a ritual. We're starting. That's why we give the man nod. We're starting to recognize each other. And listen, 
Rich, I'm a man who's comfortable in his sexuality. These are some decent-looking guys. Okay. So All what right. I'm saying is the ladies need to go down there and just, just linger around. Be creepy. Listen, men are creepy enough around women, right? You guys can give it to us right back. Just come around the pre-cooked or crispy chickens. Be real creepy. Eye us up, okay? Wear a nice pair of yoga pants. That won't hurt. And I'm sure we'll notice you. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, we can solve this problem together, you know? So it's just a little... A little advice. I, uh, yeah. I wonder if the frozen wimps. pizza section would be a good one, too. Because uh, I know I've made that lonely walk many times in my life. I, where... I think... Oh, absolutely. See, the frozen... Or do you pre-buy, or do you pre-buy the frozen pizza? Is that a thing that you do on, like, Monday, and then you're going to eat it on Thursday? Or is it, like, that day? Because the rotisserie chicken, you were saying, I am buying this, I am purchasing this, and in the next, you know, hour, or in your case, the next five minutes, I'm devouring this thing. Whereas the pizza might not be... You know, you might stock up on the Sunday to have it on Thursday. Yeah, see, I don't know. That, I, could, be the, that could be a risk. I don't know. I like you. Not, not advisable. I like so. you, Rich, have made the lonely walk at about 11.30 at night when I haven't eaten yet down the frozen pizza aisle. I've done that. i got to be honest. So uh, not the worst idea. I'll tell you, though, you might be dropping a class, uh, dropping down a class of man if you go down that aisle, though. You know that, what I that, mean? That is the risk. That is the definite risk you take. The rotisserie chicken, those are classy people. Those are guys with jobs. You know that you run your risk. Listen. Frozen pizza aisle. That, that's, that's the Wild West over there. That's right. So. We're classy guys. It's not a cheap meal. You know what I mean? It's like six ninety nine <laughs> for that fucking for that animal. You know what I mean? The, the frozen pizza, it's also not the healthiest. You know, so you might get a guy who's a little, you know, robust around the waist. You know what I mean? So you might be dropping down a class there. You know, so you might, my advice to the single ladies the rotisserie chicken is where it's at, my man. That's where they got yeah. it. That's where. Listen, you want to catch yourself a JL? That's where you got to go. Do you, Do you ever make multiple meals out of that one thing, or do you just devour it in the one night and then it's just gone? My forever? intention every single time is to make multiple meals out of it. Okay, because I, I I would get like five meals out of that damn thing, and it, which was great. See, I'm thinking, okay, this is great. I'm going to buy this chicken. I'm going to have food for the next three days, and then it's gone two hours later. <laughs> it's just gone before the end of whatever you know sport ball game I'm watching. It's it's fucking it's the fourth fun. inning of the Reds, and you're, you're done with the and I'm, already. I'm sucking on the bones because there's no meat left. Like it's already finished. Like I said, the wings are gone before I even get into the garage. Before I pull into my garage, the wings are removed from the animal and and eaten, and and you know, and I don't know where to put the bones. It's just there's grease everywhere. It's a mess, Rich. So no, it does not. Unfortunately, it only lasts me one night. You're seriously going to die. I am. I will die. Yeah. You're in awful shape here. Speaking of single ladies, the Beyonce song "Single Ladies" might be the worst piece of music ever recorded in human history. Uh ooh, that yeah, it's right up there. Um, it is a horrendous song. If you really sit down and listen to the song "Single Ladies" by Beyonce, it's got like a bad like music too. Like like even the background, just the. Everything about it is terrible. Like, like lyrics aside, the instrumental is just awful. It's, it doesn't make any sense. It's the it's, same fi- five lines of lyrics repeated over and over, first of all. So lyrically, it's an awful song. Number two, it's just a terrible collection of sounds that sound like they don't go properly together. It's just a terrible song by a very overrated artist. It's just terrible. It's just an awful song. It's her- well, thank God more ladies don't listen to the show or else they'd be very upset with Oh, I know. Right hey, now. listen. The women love the Beyonce. They they can't get enough of the Beyonce. Yeah, I have a friend that's like like ado- like actually like adores like like a god like like I'm not even joking that that's like a religious figure to her and I'm not even like saying that that is like unrealistic like I, I legitimately think that that is her like church you know what I mean like her her deity is Beyonce and I'm not I'm not even like I'm not kidding I'm not exaggerating that's that. like, like every woman under thirty five it's like yeah. that's the original slay queen you know what I mean like it's Beyonce that's the one. Which I don't really understand. I mean, I, 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 have her, I think her music's horrendous. I think she's terrible. And single ladies is the worst of the worst. Don't get any worse than the single ladies. 
It's a it's a staple of white people weddings too, and that's just it combines everything that I hate. It's white or three things I hate: white people, weddings, and Beyonce. It's just the worst. Oh, I hate them all. You really just don't like partying with white people because I'll never forget those New Year's Eve photos where you were at the, oh, was at the was black New Year's Eve party. So you you don't do the white weddings. You don't do <laughs> don't the white do New Year's Eve parties. <laughs> to be fair, there was only like five black people at this. <laughs> you thing. found every one of them. I, I found them though. I because they're they're the ones that go. You know they don't they don't bullshit. They they just get to you know they they party. They don't dance around with some dumb. They don't dance to single ladies. Like that's they, there it they is. Leave right the, there. the dance floor when they're like single lady stinks. We're right. not dancing to this. This is for white people. Uh, it's awful, and we're not doing it. Yeah, I, I you know I could see that. I can totally see that. You're right. All right. Uh, before we get in here, we got plenty to talk about. Of course, Money in the Bank, Dominion, uh, a little news about Roman Reigns, uh, and I think Joe will be gloating <laughs> wildly during that as well. But I should let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Mac Weldon. We've talked a lot about Mac Weldon over the past few weeks, but of course, they're better than whatever you are wearing right now in terms of underwear, hoodies, socks, undershirts. Joe will tell you all about the hoodie. How's the hoodie working out for you today? What's it like ninety five by you right now? It's been uh, about 99 for the last couple of days. Okay, so how's, the, how's the hoodie working for I, you? I then? wore the hoodie on a second date. I, I, I did wear it on one date a few weeks ago as reported. How'd, how'd, that, how'd that go? Oh, that date went very well, my friend. That way, okay. the, the second date didn't go quite as well. What I'm trying to say, Rich, is, is I had sex <laughs> on the first date. I was okay, and I did right. not have sex on the second date. That's what I'm trying to oh, say. I don't. How do you how do you blow that? I don't know if I was being subtle enough there, Rich. But no, it's just two different women. See the oh. yeah the first date. Oh. Uh, I thought it was the same one. I was like, how'd you not do that? Like, <laughs> that would have been moving in reverse. That I call that Benjamin Button dating. If you have sex <laughs> on one date and then you fail to score on the second, that's you know you can't do that. But no, yeah, the first date I I uh, lands a score. He shot and he scored. Okay, the second date I did not. So suffice to say, I will not be seeing that lady again. Oh, jeez. Because of that or other reasons? Well, well <laughs> that's, I was gonna that say. sounded horrible. But that's, that sounded really bad, yeah. So the, let, let's, why don't you clarify that before you move on? That's not the only reason. As those, <laughs> okay. as those right. single female listeners dwindle by the... Yeah, so now we only have eight. We had 12. Now we have eight. So I go on a lot of dates, as you know, Rich. Yes. Uh, I, many of them do not work out, So, which is why I'm buying rotisserie chickens at the grocery store three times a week. So no, it, that wasn't the only reason. I, okay. I cannot say it wasn't uh, one of the reasons. I got to be fair, but it, it, it wasn't the only reason. Well, the, the reason, though, that the number of the first date went very well is obviously because of that Mac Walton hoodie you were wearing. She saw the fabric. She taught, you know, how, how do you not just in fact, adore Rich, a man she, in Mac Walton hoodie? She said to me, she said, look, this I got I to gotta stop what we're talking about right now. I really don't care about your family. This is a quality garment, and I want to have sex with you. So, you know, we went right back to my place and, uh, you know, did the dirty. So there you go. Okay. Did you wear the hoodie during said uh, dirty listen you get a compliment rich you got to ride it out so of course I left yeah it on the- of course you left off the hoodie on so uh if you would also like to do uh what joe did in his hoodie uh, you can go to macwell.com uh, and you get 20 percent off using our exclusive promo co- uh, promo code v O W. So you got to use that promo code VOW, MacWalton.com. You get 20% off. You can buy underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, whatever you want. I wear the underwear. Joe wears the hoodie. You know, hey, we, 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 we do pretty well on this. But uh, yeah, 20% off using the promo code VOW, and that's MacWalton.com. And they are gracious enough to sponsor this podcast for another, uh, uh, for some odd reason. So, but we appreciate that. I don't know. They like us. I don't know why they like us, but they like us. What item does McCarran wear? <laughs> I don't know if he had enough money to buy one, did he? Touchy, you stole all of his money, I think. T- touchy yeah. subject. I don't know. He doesn't listen yep. anyway. He'll never hear this. 
very good chance. But uh, the shopping experience, very easy, of course. You go to MacWalton.com. You click whatever you want. You click the item. You click what color you want. And you check out. In Joe's case, you check out for something that's uh, $90 or 70 I don't even remember what the hell the joke was anymore. But anyway, go to MacWalton.com. 20% off using the promo code VOW. All right, Joe. You want to talk Roman Reigns? We kind of have to start there, right? We can't, I mean, that's the big story. How can we not? We're not going to, yeah, we're not going to talk about best in the world to, to, to kick us off. You got to talk the Roman Reigns story. Uh, obviously, for people that either have been living under a rock or don't know what's going on, uh, Roman Reigns, of course, of WWE, was uh, suspended on Tuesday for violating the WWE's talent wellness policy. Uh, he carries a 30-day suspension that's effective immediately. Uh, so that will bring him back in time for Battleground. But there's some interesting stuff there. But, Joe, what was your reaction when you saw this news on Tuesday? I think I was stunned, just like everybody else was. Um, I, I, I can't imagine how stupid somebody has to be when they're in the position that he's in to get popped for anything. I mean, you really – you've got to – look, I understand that this is a uh, complicated and complex list of supplements that these professional athletes have to deal with and that there's plenty of over-the-counter stuff that you can get popped for. And I know that it reads like alphabet soup and you can't pronounce half of these words of these things that you can't put in your body and everything else. And we hear all these stories of these guys ingesting this stuff accidentally, and I'm sure that happens sometimes. I'm not denying that. I think sometimes it's, it's nothing more than an excuse for them sticking steroids in their ass, but I'm sure sometimes it's a viable excuse. But the fact of the matter is you are responsible for what you put in your own body, and if you're a guy in Roman Reigns' position who's probably making seven figures this year, he can probably afford to hire a nutritionist or a scientist or somebody to help him out with this stuff and make sure that he's taking the proper supplements. So it's just just mind-blowing. Look, if you're like an NXT guy or some lower-level guy, I get it. If you're, you know, you're making the trip to GNC <laughs> once a week and it's tricky for you to keep all this stuff sorted out, I might have some sympathy. Not if you're a main eventer. You just can't, especially with the responsibilities you have and, 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 and the position that you're in with the company. You have to double, triple, and quadruple check what you're putting in your body. Uh, so I have no idea. Look, we don't. It, it has not been officially reported what he was popped for. The rumor that we were told were some kind of fat burners, and that's supposedly what's going to come out in the next couple days. Who knows? Uh, that actually makes a lot of sense because if you look at his family, his genes, like we talk about all the time, are certainly working against him. Everybody in his family starts to get fat around the age of 30. I mean, can we just, I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, you know, it's, it's unequivocally true. Yeah. I mean, we saw with the Usos not that long ago too. We're like, they, and they look like guys that keep themselves in very good shape, but that you just cannot stop the belly fat when you're of that family. Like it's just, it's uh, just bad genes. So, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's, uh, and I'm sure that's a struggle that he fights. And, you know, there's always that talk that the reason he wears the vest is to cover up his belly. I don't know how true that is. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it's an uphill battle for him. So it do, if it does turn out to be fat burners, it wouldn't shock me at all. But uh, the fact of the matter is, whether it was fat burners, whether it was supplements, whether it was fucking, you know, Winstrel 5 anabolic steroids, he's got to know what he's putting in his body. And, and, and I, I, that's, that's a really important thing because I did see a lot of people tweeting out of, oh, you know, there's stuff that you can buy at GNC that'll get you popped or whatever. Well, that's the point, though. It, it's, and, and this happens in, and we see it in real sports as well. You and I, of course, big baseball fans, happens all the time where a guy will say, oh, I just took something from GNC and apparently it had this ingredient in it. Well, that's where you make the call. I mean, that is your obligation. You're, if you're being tested for this stuff, and like you're saying, you're a man in Roman Reigns' position, an easy call to whoever. I don't know who that is at WWE, but I'm sure there's somebody that you can call and say, hey, look, I'm trying to 
I'm, I'm taking, or I'm going to buy XXX. Can, can, can I have that? Is it okay? Will I get popped? What's in it? All that sort of stuff. I mean, it's just that simple. You have to do that. That's your obligation in a company that tests for it. So I don't, I don't buy that excuse of, oh, well, any, you could take a bunch of stuff that's going to have it in there. Yeah, but that's your job to not put stuff in your body that, that's going to test positive for that stuff. Like that, that, I just, I don't, I can't feel bad for you if that is something that occurs. Like that, that's something, you know that going in. You have to be better than that. Completely agree. It's you know, it, it, there's no excuses. You know, you you can't. You just I don't know. You just you can't. There's no excuses. You've said it all. Um. So what what, what sort of happens next with Roman Reigns now? Because we we know. There was weird debates, of course, going on of when they knew about the suspension, if they knew about it before Sunday. Uh, Dave Meltzer reported that they did know about it before Sunday, uh, and that played a little bit into why uh, you know Seth Rollins, of course, beat Roman Reigns. Uh, then Dean Ambrose cashed in his money in the bank, and then it all makes sense up to that point. Until Raw happens, where do you build a triple threat match for Battleground, and Roman Reigns will not be there for any of the build of it, but is still going to wrestle in the main event of Battleground a few days after suspension goes out. What do you make of that whole story, or what, what's kind of going on there, or the timeline of things as well? Do you believe that timeline? I mean, it tells me that they plan on letting him wrestle on the pay-per-view, which is crazy, since he's not going to be there for the build. Um, because if they knew about it, and they willingly, they knowingly set up the the, 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 the angle for the three, and they didn't do an injury angle. I mean, they could have done an injury angle and sent him away, and then it, they, the, the, the build to the pay-per-view could have been, will he sh- show up for the match? Will he be able to work the match? They didn't even do anything like that. So... Pretty bizarre, but it seems to be, by all accounts, that they did know. So that tells me that they plan on letting him wrestle, right? Because if you knew and you shot the angle and you set up the match, you must be planning on allowing him to wrestle the match. Now, what did they do? A bunch of pre-tapes that they're going to air over the next couple of weeks? I guess that's an option, but that would be really weird, right? Right, yeah, to have those two guys in the ring and then, like, Reigns is in the back and just, like, cutting a promo about them. Or, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's why the timeline just it's really bizarre because – there's been a lot of credible people that have said, no, they knew about this before Sunday, and it makes sense in the terms of, of sort of how it went down on Sunday. But then you see Raw, and you're like, all right, well, it, then they had an out on Sunday. They could have very easily just said, okay, at Battleground, it's Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins. Roman Reigns is nursing a shoulder injury or something. Oh, my God. What is going on over there? I am, uh, I am dog-sitting again. Oh, no, it's that little bastard again? They've decided to, uh, yes. Oh, that, is it that same little bastard that was there a few months ago? Piper is here. And they are having an absolute it, battle royal. Is it better or no? The dog? Is this bad? Yeah. No, she's an absolute terror. She's the worst. Okay. <laughs> the one dog's hiding upstairs, and she's attacking the Chihuahua for no good reason right now, which is what, <laughs> which is the, what you're hearing now. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, where was I? Oh, they, you had an easy out then. So you could have said that, you know, Roman Reigns is nursing a shoulder injury or something, and had Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins at Battleground. Like, that makes sense that you would do that, right? But they didn't. They that's why the, I, the timeline just confuses me. It, it just doesn't make any sense other than the fact that they're just going to go ah, whatever and advertise a guy that's, you know, currently on drug suspension or whatever, advertise him for a pay-per-view and then have him come back without being a part of the build and wrestle in that main event. It's just it's very bizarre. I, I just I, that's the part of me that I just don't get it. Like it, it, it seems so simple that if you knew this was going to happen, you have your out. You did your out. You did it. You got it. Dean Ambrose or Seth Rollins at Battleground, you're good. Raids it out, whatever. But then you don't. Then you build that triple threat match, which even makes more sense as a SummerSlam match to boot. So there's just so much weird stuff there that I just don't I don't quite get it. But it's hard to get what this company does a lot of times. They could so. always do an angle to open Raw to explain why Roman's gone or to explain why Roman's been taken out of the map. <laughs> the problem is everybody's going to know why. Maybe they just set it up that way. 
Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, it's on ESPN right now. I mean, like I, I went to the front page of ESPN on that day, and it was there. Well, you know, like, that's a that's another that's another layer to this thing because it's very clear, in my opinion, that WWE when they announced this on Tuesday, um, immediately went to all of their co-opted media and fed them the story to make sure. I think they're shaming the guy because this was everywhere. This was places you don't even normally see. Like I was driving in my car when this when this all happened. And I'm hearing the Roman Reigns story on, you know, Sirius XM sports updates. Would they never touch wrestling ever? And Roman Reigns is not a big enough name to supersede that. Okay, WWE has exactly two people who they might normally report something, and that th- th- those are Brock Lesnar and John Cena. That's it. Roman Reigns is not on that level. Uh, uh, you know, Roman Reigns does not pass the, your mom, the mom test. Okay. If most people go ask your mom, Hey mom, you ever hear of Roman Reigns? She's going to lay you three. He's not, he's not famous. He's not a big time celebrity. He's not someone where mainstream entities are going to take notice. If he gets, if he does, if he has a wellness violation failure, this is why I say WWE spread this story around. This wasn't randomly picked up by all of these, uh, mainstream entities. And, and it was quick too. It was like within an hour that everybody had something up on their website and everyone, you know, they were report. Right. They got out ahead of it is what. Yeah. It seems like before they released the news, they let everybody know, hey, this is going down and this is when you can publish it. It, it kind of seemed it that definitely way. felt that way. And I feel like, you know, they, they, they could have done it. They could have tried to do it quietly, um, you know, but they didn't. I feel like they fed the story to everyone. Uh, they did it as loudly as possible in the middle of a weekday where they knew – I feel like they're shaming this guy. I feel like his career is going to take a massive hit from this because I think he pissed a lot of people off and I think he embarrassed a lot of people and I think this is bad news for him. Now, do I think that means he's going to be working superstars against Heath Slater when he comes back? No. But do I think that this could – could this derail the range train a little bit? I, I think Absolutely. Because when you look at the rest of the evidence, you know, I, I know I piled on him last week, but some of the stuff we talked about last week where he's headlining the A House Show Tour with tons of support underneath your AJ Styles and everybody else. And the Dean Ambrose B Show Tour, you know, that comes to Little College Station, Texas, which, is, which, which has Kane on the fucking show, okay, is drawing the same numbers across the board all across the country. That's terrible for Roman Reigns. Ratings are in the shitter, okay? Uh, you know, the, 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 with all of these other things combined, and then he gets popped for a wellness <laughs> violation, can't you easily see Vince McMahon just throwing his hands and saying, you know what? Enough with this fucking guy. You know, it, it, it's, it's not working. It hasn't caught on. Uh, he's, he's not getting over to the level. He's still getting booed out of every building. No one's paying to come see him. No one's watching my TV. And now he's gone for 30 days and ruining my pay-per-view. It was interesting today uh, in the Observer uh, that David mentioned that because he had he had always been steadfast on you know something that we you know on this website uh, Brandon Howard uh, wrote a little column you know about uh, a little over a year ago or a little under a year ago rather uh, about Roman Reigns' house show pops because we had always heard oh they boo him on TV but at house shows they love him at house shows they love him oh everybody goes nuts at house shows well Dave went out there and said oh now he's getting booed at house shows more I don't know anything about that it's just kind of funny to see that sort of his now reporting is not the, oh, well, no, at house shows, he's over like crazy. And he's, he is out there now saying, no, he's getting booed at house shows now, too, in addition to the ratings going down, in addition to the, the house shows not drawing well either. There's just a lot of things going on right there. And, yeah, you got to understand Vince McMahon's frustration. I'm, I, I'm sure I get it. A AAA, anybody in there has got to be looking and going, hey, we're doing everything we can possibly do 
to do something with this and get this over and make this a thing and make it happen. And then this, it, it, so I, that was going to be my next question to you is, does this affect him in the future? Do you think that that changes the way they, they, they push him or operate as him or, or, or trust him in general? Cause that's a big thing with Vince McMahon. We know that the trust in the performer is a huge, huge thing, whether it be unfairly like a concussion that happens a lot where he he's into a guy, he gets a concussion. He doesn't trust that guy anymore. He's done with him. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, Daniel Bryan, Dolph Ziggler, uh, Fandango, a bunch of guys that he's into, they get a concussion and they're just, they, they, they're done. He just doesn't trust you anymore. And we see that with wellness stuff too. There's been a few guys that have been able to sort of get, get by that, you know, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton and a few others like that. But by and large, once you get that, he just kind of loses, he, he loses that faith in you. And that's big for him. That's everything. I said it three years ago or however many years ago it was. Pull the tape. Pull the tape. I said it years ago when this guy was still in the shield. And it was very obvious that he was the one they were going to go with because they protected him in every fucking match. He scored every fucking pin. Uh, Dean Ambrose carried that team with his charisma. Seth Rollins carried that team with his big bumps and his work. And Roman did nothing but stand on the apron, tag in at the end, do his Superman punch, and get all the glory and never take a pin. And it was obvious at that point that that was the guy that they were going to push. That was disgusting, Rich. That was obviously. Yeah, I'm trying to do it as far, but like my mic picks up everything. I, I actually walked away to try to do it. You still heard that? Yes. That was okay. So I had to find a better range. Then I don't know where to go. It was. It was obvious years ago when when the, when the Shield first came in this company. Was, listen, we knew before the Shield debuted that this was their long term project and this was the guy they were going to push. And at that time on this show, long time listeners know, I said it then. I said, Dean Ambrose, if they're smart, is the guy that will be the guy because he's one part Roddy Piper, he's one part Brian Pillman, and he's two parts Stone Cold Steve Austin. And they got something with this guy. But the guy they're going to go with is Roman Reigns and and Roman Reigns' ceiling, his ceiling, and I said it three years ago, is Randy Orton. His ceiling is a guy who is presented as a bigger star than he ever really is, is never quite as over as they would lead you to believe, and is never quite as big a star as they would lead you to believe. And I, I peg that as Roman Reigns' ceiling three years ago. And that's exactly how it's playing out, right down to the fact that the guy's getting popped for wellness violations. <laughs> right. Which, is, which was a huge Roman Reigns thing. Once he got two or three, and it it's been a few years for him. Yeah, yeah he, he got to two and then like I, or no he had three but then like one mysteriously fell off or whatever yeah, cause, cause, was that Mysterio I don't know it was, was him Mysterio it was Orton because by policy okay. they would have had to have fired him and it just kind of right like, so they <laughs> one of them dropped mysteriously uh, and yeah but no he, he had many problems with that um, and maybe still might as well but you know listen, uh, listen, I, yeah. I'm not saying Roman Reigns belongs in the mid card I'm not saying Roman Reigns you should be fired. When I'm, I'm, you know, Roman Reigns is obviously, you know, he pushes some merch. He pushes a little bit of merch. Okay, he's got some fans. Kids like him. Uh, you know, the ladies like the luxurious looking hair. I get it. But the fact of the matter is, this guy will never, ever, ever quote me again. Quote me again. Keep doing it because I, I'm always right when it comes to this guy. He will never, ever, ever be the star that this company thought he was going to be. It just the rich. The guy just doesn't have the charisma. It's obvious when you watch him. I don't care about how well he sells in the ring. I don't care about his crisp-looking punches. I don't give a fuck about any of that. This guy lacks charisma in the ring. 
He, he's never an alpha in his matches. And people are questioning me, Joe, why does that matter? I'll tell you why it matters. Because that's part of, that, those are the things that make you a star. When does, yeah, people are attracted to that. People aren't attracted to the third best guy in the ring no. or the, 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 the third guy that, that jumps out. It's all about jumping out. I mean, it's about, uh, we, we say, jumping off the page or jumping, you know, you know it's that sort of thing. That, that's what attaches you to those guys. It's not the supporting actors that everybody cares about. It's the, the guys that are really out there, the, the, the main act. Like that, that's, what, that's what the connection's made. That's what fans adore. The guy doesn't that, have an alpha bone in his body. Rich, would The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin or Hulk Hogan ever main event at WrestleMania and get their biggest chance in the world? They're, they're, they're getting their big win in front of 100,000 fans. Don't get mad at me, Dave Meltzer. In front of 90, whatever it was, 95,000 fans in front of the, <laughs> like the biggest crowd they've ever done. Would Hulk, Try to picture Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, any of these guys who are true superstars, which they expected Reigns to be, and he never will be. Well, not even close. Can you picture any of these guys in that spot in the main event finally get winning the main event of WrestleMania from the biggest crowd ever, cowering up into a little ball and being a beta for Triple H? You go out there and you give the performance of your life. I don't care who you're in there with. You do not get eaten up in that match. You do yeah. not get eaten up the way he got eaten up in that match. You don't. No one is ever going to remember that match. That's unacceptable. The guy is not an alpha. He has no charisma. He has no superstar charisma. He looks the part, but Rich, how many guys have there been that looked the part and just didn't have inside what it took and couldn't exude it? How many, Rich? You did a series of articles on him. Okay? Yeah. The, the guy is not an alpha. He's not an alpha. I don't care how many four-star matches you want to pretend that this guy has because that's a whole other topic. He's not an alpha, and he doesn't have it in him. He doesn't have the guts to go in there and dominate the match at WrestleMania. It's a joke. And people see through that. That's why he's getting booed in house shows now. He's never the alpha in any of these matches. He, he's never the star of his matches. Ever. He, AJ Styles works circles around him and comes out looking a thousand times better. He wrestles Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins looks a thousand times better than this guy. When is he ever the better guy in one of his matches? Yeah. Somebody show me the match. Where, maybe the Sheamus matches. He stood. Uh, uh, he, he. Those were good. Those were solid. Yeah, that was his, that was probably his. Up. That was yes. Those were probably his singular best performances. Absolutely, I would say. where he really took it by the fucking balls and worked like an alpha. But that's it. What happened in the Bray Wyatt matches when he was in there with a lousy worker? They were shitty fucking matches and they stunk because both guys don't have the, don't have what it takes. There was no one in there to carry him. There was no one in there to carry him. I can have a four star match with AJ Styles. With AJ bouncing all over the place. Give me a break. The guy's not an alpha. And that's the problem here. And it's starting to, sh- to come through. And now he's, now he's letting down the company. I think yeah. he's in big trouble here. I think he's in big trouble. And I'm telling you right now, his ceiling is still Randy Orton. They'll push him. He'll get that Randy Orton push. Yeah, you know, and, and I think when you say that, day, Rich, at the end of the day, he'll have thirteen world titles. Or yeah, yeah, and I, I wanted to make I, I want to make sure because you, you you mentioned it a little bit briefly, but I want people to know that you're not saying that he's just going to toil in the mid card and do nothing. Like the Randy Orton ceiling is still fine. Like that's that's fine. Randy Orton for you know, like you said, he's a thirteen time or whatever champion. We don't remember any of them. He's he's yeah, he's right there all the time. He might you know every so often, you know, your B show house shows he'll be on top and do some, but he's just always that second. Like there's he, he's never. 
Randy Orton was never that John Cena. He never eclipsed him. He never once was above him at any point. He had good little programs here and there. The stuff with Christian, you know, some of his runs on SmackDown is some of his. Yeah, you know, they were fine. He was there forever. It's about a decade plus that he was kind of hanging around or whatever. But he was never like you're saying the guy. I think that's the important distinction in that. People, I'm sure, are going to, oh, he's going to get buried. You're not saying that. You're just saying the Randy Orton level is, like I said, a top five guy, an upper mid-card guy, a uh, you know a semi-main event or whatever. That's that's probably his ceiling now at this point. I mean, we'll see what happens eventually You know, when this kind of ties over. But when you lose that trust, when you do this and with, with everything else that's happening, because now the guy's setting the world on fire and this happens. And you go, ah, oh, damn it. Like, all right, well, whatever. We'll get out of this 30 days and we'll come right back and we'll, we'll, we'll hit the ground running. I mean, he has not been hitting the ground running. And that's just the, 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 the fact of it. I mean, the numbers back that up. Look, if, and, this guy and was, can, if this guy was clicking and things were on fire, I'd have no doubt he'd come back and he'd be right back to the range train. Choo-choo! would still be chugging along, Rich. But nothing's on fire. Yeah. Business sucks with this guy on top. Okay? And John Cena's back. Who's going to outshine him in every way, every conceivable way again. Uh, anyway. So he's, in, he's got a lot of problems. He's got a lot of problems. Okay, and I'm sorry, but they missed the boat on Dean. The timing was all wrong on Dean. They blew it. They had about a year late. I'd say about a, a year, year late, late, and they had another chance around Roadblock. He got real hot around Roadblock. Yeah, remember we were saying, would you legitimately? I think we on this show, very show, had this discussion. Would you? Would you change course? I know you have this plan, but is it time to just say, ah, you know what, Dean? You're and the problem is, we, we could because they would have had to change their mania plans, and they were never going right. to do that. But it, but in a, in a world. Where Giant Baba's running things and he decides that Masawa is winning because of the way the you know what I mean? Like in a world where they would have switched course and Dean would have won the title at Roadblock. That was another window they had with Dean. And I, mm-hmm. and here's the thing about Dean. I'm not saying if they would have ran with Dean either a year ago or around Roadblock that he would have clicked on all cylinders either. I don't know. I'm saying it was worth a shot and those were your windows. Because Dean's got a lot of drawbacks too. What I do know is that this guy is Randy Orton, and he will never be anything more than Randy Orton. So if you were WWE, I'll put you in the scenario of a Vince McMahon or whatever. When, when Reigns comes back, what do you do with him then? So Battleground happens. What do you do at Battleground? And then what's the, what's the next step there after that? Well, if you're asking me what I do, I push him way down the card. But I'm not – they're not going to do – I mean, I'm a, I, that's what he earned. I'm sorry. I, yeah. But, I mean, look, I think he's, he's a guy who's always going to be in the mix – and he's going to win his you know, 15 world titles. You know, We're going to look back in a decade. He's going to have 15 world, fake world title runs like Randy Orton has where you don't remember any of them. And um, you know, he's always going to, be, he's going to be a guy that's always in the mix. And they're going to keep trying him and they're going to keep going back to him just like Randy Orton until they find a guy who legitimately has a chance to be the next great star, which Roman Reigns never will be and can't be. Um, but but you know he'll always be in the mix. I don't think they're going to completely give up on him. But I do think, I do think, it has derailed, potentially derailed the full steam ahead, the three year mega push. He's gotten a push. I don't care what anybody says. These people are nuts. They're too busy looking at the week to week minutia of it because they have made some mistakes with Roman. But in the big picture, when you step back and take a look at it, he's received the biggest push in this company in like a decade. <laughs> Like, what we always say is they make mistakes with everybody. Yeah. Like, it, like we're acting like everything is perfect except for the Roman Reigns thing. They have They make. They suck at everybody. They don't know how to do anything. Yeah, they, right. They've made like, little mistakes with him on a week by week basis. Right. Those don't mean anything. The fact of the matter is, this guy's gotten a this this company has been behind Roman Reigns stronger than they've been behind anyone since maybe Hulk Hogan. The fact is, he hasn't caught on. You can make arguments for guys since. All right, maybe they got behind Austin when he got Austin. Kind of made himself though. 
It, it was a slow process. It, it, it didn't happen overnight yeah, with Austin. We all pretend all. it was the 316 moment. It wasn't. Oh, God. I mean, it wasn't even that. that yeah, that, I love that narrative. And then, like, the next month, he was on the, you know, the, uh, whatever, the pre show, uh, the free for all or whatever. Against Yoko's, like, Sabio you know what I mean? Like, Sabio. yeah, yeah, Osavio Vega. That's right. Yeah. And it, it wasn't until really that, you know, that mania. Uh, against Hart, you know, in 97, where he became obviously the face and started getting a little bit more reaction. And then it wasn't until the summer where they really started lighting him on fire. You can go watch in April. Like, he's still not there either. He's like kind of there, but he's like the fourth guy on that, on the totem pole there. It wasn't really until that summer when he came back from his neck injury that they went, oh crap, we got this. Like, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, is you can make arguments for a small handful of people, but they've never wanted someone to be the guy worse than they've wanted this guy to be the guy in, in a long, long time. They haven't gotten maybe a Luger, maybe a Luger, maybe. And again, you're going back to over 20 years. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it's this guy, you know, and, and, it, you know, it, it, so I don't think they're, they're going to completely give up on him, but I think th- the mega part of the, uh, it, it, everything has to be done to, in, to make Roman look good. That part of it may be over that because they may have lost confidence. in him. Now, the thing that I, I, I I come to, and then we'll, we'll move on to our, you know, the topics that we want to talk about is what you do with this crowd reaction with Roman Reigns, because we, we can say that all oh, people forgive and forget. No, they're not going to forget. Like, you know what I mean? Like he is just going to be, this is going to, if they come back and he's just smiling Roman Reigns and does his own thing. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm the man, you know, I'm not the guy, you know, that you, you, you come back and you just do what you've been doing with him. He is going to get showered and stuff. We were talking about this. Now that story is everywhere. You can you can put your head in the sand and say, oh, that's internet fans, all oh, the internet wrestling community, or ESPN. ESPN is not the internet wrestling community. You know what I mean? Like Rolling Stone is not the internet wrestling community. Your drive time radio update yeah. is not the internet wrestling community. Everybody knows about this. My you talk about the mom test. Got an email from my mom. What happened to Roman Reigns? Heard he got suspended. That was the email. Mm-hmm. She sent me an email and said that. So when she knows about it, then you know that God only knows where the hell she found out about it. Entertainment Tonight. Who the hell knows what she was watching that talked about it? You you can't just have him come out and be whatever and never acknowledge this, right? You're going to have to do something with it. This is a perfect opportunity to turn him heel. You have to. Like you, you, I, I think there's no choice but to have him come out there and and and. And and do it like you can't. You just cannot have him be a good guy and come out and expect the fans to go. Oh well, now he's in the WWE universe. So this Roman Reigns in this universe. Oh, he didn't tell you know what I mean. That doesn't happen. People aren't going to do that. They're gonna they're gonna shower him with with booze and 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 make fun of him and all that sort of. He's not going to be able to handle that. We've seen that he doesn't handle that well. Yeah, you have to harness it. You got to leverage this into something more. You cannot just have him come out and just do the same old thing that he was doing amidst this. You cannot do it. I completely agree. This is a perfect. The signs are going to be everywhere. I, like people yeah. are going to go nuts about this. They're not going to let it down. It's a perfect opportunity to turn him heel. It really is. But do you have any confidence they're going to do that? Because no. let me tell you, that's still what he needs ultimately. If there's any way to salvage this guy in terms of him truly being a megastar, and I think that's unsalvageable. I just don't think he has it in him. I'm not going to repeat the same rant. The only way to do that is to press reset and have him go heel and do it the way they should have done it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this is a good opportunity to do that, but I don't have any confidence that that's what they'll do. All right, let's move on to uh, Money in the Bank, which of course happened on Sunday before all this Roman Reigns uh, news came out. Uh, overall thoughts on the show before we break down uh, match by match. It was a watchable show. It was fine. That's about what I would say. I, uh, I didn't love it, but watchable, fine. I didn't love it. They've had I, better offers. Yeah. They've had much better offers. For sure, this, this year. year, absolutely. Yeah, not even close to their best show this year. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about the pre-show? I don't know. Did you even watch the pre-show uh, matches? The two tag matches, I did not watch. Yeah. 
Okay, well, you missed absolutely nothing. So, uh, move on to the opener. Uh, the Fiddle 4-Way tag match, uh, The New Day, uh, defeating Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Enzo and Big Cass, and the Vaudevillains, you know, of course, uh, retaining their titles as well. Uh, what did you think of this match? I thought it was uh, fun, kind of sloppy at points, but uh, I, I thought relatively decent. E- even though, again, like we talk about with New Japan, and we'll talk about here at Dominion, I kind of probably would have just preferred a one-on-one, or, you know, one team versus one team, but I thought this was fine for what it was as an opener, hot opener. Uh, you know, people were into it, and it got the crowd going for a little bit at the beginning as well so i think in the same weekend new japan wwe and even noah had tag team titles defended in like wacky three-way four-way matches like come on can we just have tag team matches please please yeah, we are suzuki gun had the three-way right yeah for the uh for the uh junior title uh yeah yeah but yeah right so it's like can we just have tag team titles please uh you know two one team versus another team please <laughs> well what was funny and I, I think i tweeted out while money in the make was going on is at one point i believe it was the new day and enzo and cast like they they knocked everybody out of the ring and then they squared off and like everybody was out laying on the ring and those two were just staring at each other and the crowd was going nuts and i was like well you know if the if the whole match is to build to these two teams squaring off then just have these two teams square off you know what i mean like yeah it was like, oh, good, finally the New Day and Enzo Cat, and the crowd goes nuts, and the announcers, oh, this is big, this is huge. Well, you, you could have just done that. Right, so if you're going to build to that spot, why not get <laughs> the other guys out of there? No, I, I, totally, I totally get it. Look, it was fun, it was fast-paced, and it did get very, very sloppy at the end. Um, but look, that's the risk you run when you're going to have these wacky you know, eight guys involved in a match. Not a good night for old, uh, our good friend, uh, the Doc, Luke Gallows. No. Um, he looked pretty piss-poor. And a lot of this match, and you know the big spot where he was standing there at the end of the at the end of the match, waiting desperately for Big Cass to <laughs> to knock him out of the way, which which felt like it was like six minutes long. It was it was probably actually like fifteen seconds, but it just felt like eternity. Yeah, everyone's just staring and looking like, all right. And that that's not that necessarily wasn't his fault. Obviously, that was Big Cass, you know, being a rookie and not knowing what the hell he's doing, but. It's he still looked, he he was the one who looked really bad though in that scenario mm-hmm. and he he was about six minutes late in breaking up a pin earlier in the match gallows that is <laughs> did you see do you remember that spot that was that was uh, very uh, that was Sid like in uh, WrestleMania uh, nine or whatever where it's just like the, he's like entering the you know he's entering from the back and then he's supposed to be breaking out the pin at the same time it's like oh no oh god like, or you, you mean Papa Shango or Sid? or Shango yeah Shango was the one that was super late yeah right, yeah, yeah right. it was Sid but uh and then they uh, <laughs> show Shango coming out of the entranceway and it's like oh well hogan's got the pin or like sid's got the pin on him like let's go let's let's go it's uh so not a good night for the doc um what do you think about uh, how do you feel and by the way the vaude villains are still my favorite team involved in this whole thing i i love their offense looks so much different than everybody it looks stiff it looks crisp it looks snug they work differently than everybody else there's a viciousness to their work I'm really into the Vaude Villains and Rich. I couldn't have bashed them harder for a year when they were on NXT on this show. You hated I mean, them. I couldn't, you hated I couldn't stand them. <laughs> yeah. But it's like just the, the change of scenery and the fact that they're heels. Now, to be fair, I always put them over as heels. And and the change of scenery and the fact that they're heels, I'm, I'm really digging their act right now. Yeah. Um, but, but what do you think about the idea that <laughs> very, very clearly Carl Anderson has been positioned as the junior member of his team? He takes every pin. He is the uh, recipient of every beating when someone gets called for a big beating. Um, and it's very clear that Gallows has been positioned as the senior member of the team. Do you chalk that up to Vince McMahon and, and the old 
you know, Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn, like the big guys thing. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Do, do you, th- like, you kind of have to, right? Cause like, I, I think we saw reports that uh, I forgot who reported that, but something that like, Oh, you know, they love having a backstage gals. Cause he's just fun. He makes everybody laugh. And you know, this, I, I, I believe it. I mean, this guy was employed in there forever. I mean, he was there for like, he was a rostered member for a long time. So yeah, I could see them being like, yeah, we like him a lot better. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it absolutely stands to reason. What has Anderson done? Like, let's think of if you're a Vince McMahon, and of course, Vince McMahon isn't pouring over like Kazuna road tapes from 2014 and going, oh man, like, wow, this, this Anderson guy is really awesome. Or oh, I'm watching the New Japan Cup or whatever. <laughs> like he, he, he's seen this Carl Anderson. This is all he's seen of Carl Anderson. Would you, if if I showed you those two, and if I showed these things, would you would you say that Carl Anderson is good or great, or that he needs a bigger push, or that you wish he had more? Like if if this is all you've seen is WWE Carl Anderson, what has he done? He hasn't talked well. He hasn't really done much in the ring that would really jump out at you. Like he's just been, I, I wouldn't even say just a guy. He's below average. He's just he he he's just absolutely just there. If all I've seen was if I was a WWE Universe fan who never saw Carl Anderson until they debuted, I would see a guy who. Quite honestly, I don't think belongs on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, his work has been passable, and we—he's AJ's friend. AJ's friend is what I would say. <laughs> That's why he's there. His promos have been wooden yeah. and stoic, and he's not quite sure how to behave in front of the of the camera when he's you know doing a backstage thing or a promo. His eyes kind of like he—it looks like he's trying so hard not to look into the camera because they don't want you doing that. Watch him next time. He's kind of like gazing off. You know the gaze off they do at the end of a segment? He's <laughs> right. he's doing it during the whole segment like because he's just trying so hard. He's like a good example of a guy who could have used a couple months in NXT to learn all those things. I, I feel like – and here's the thing. I really like him as a talent. I feel like he has the ability to have really great WWE-style matches. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I've seen him have great WWE-style matches because despite what a lot of people want to think and say, WWE main event style and New Japan main event style, very similar. Uh, The key difference being WWE, everybody kicks out of each other's finishers. New Japan, the finishers are protected. Otherwise, the pacing and the style are very similar, including the hot closing stretches. I know he can work WWE main event style. I know it. I know he can do it well. And here's the, the, the worst part about it, though, is just like Gallows, I know Carl Anderson can be a great promo, a great charismatic promo. And I'll pin that on him and Doc can be – let me tell you something. I think they'd be so much better as babyfaces because I think that they would let those guys open up, do some comedy, have some fun, be themselves. Don't you think they'd be a great babyface team? I think their act would get – if they were themselves, if, if, if Doc – was Sex Ferguson, and Carl Anderson was the was the was the was the loose, fun New Japan Carl Anderson, and they were doing uh, that sort of act as faces. I think they'd be getting over much stronger than they are now as heels. But the problem is, I don't think the powers in that company. They look at them and they say, "Oh, these guys look at they look like heels." You know what I mean? And I'm sure that's it's the mindset. I really, yeah, sure. I really bald, bald facial hair. You're a heel. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really except unless you're Stone Cold Steve Austin or Goldberg. But yeah. I mean, shit. I think they'd be better off as faces, and I think they'd get over big time as a cult thing as faces, and if I, provided they were allowed to be themselves, because they're very charismatic guys. And I think that's the key right there. 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely the key right there. And you're right that maybe Anderson needed some NXT, but I think it's a lot of it is just being that culture shock of in Japan, he was kind of able to do whatever he wanted. And maybe we take that for granted of being, you know, that Gaijin guy or being an American in, in Japan. He was able to because we we laughed and loved him because he would look at the camera and say, you know, just swear and say whatever the hell he wanted and did whatever the hell he wanted. But he was very engaged with the camera. If you remember his entrance, he would just stare at the camera the entire time. He always he always you know, stared right at you, the viewer, as you were watching. Like he was, he'd look at the camera and say, you know, whatever he would, you know, shout out to whoever. You know, he would always do that sort of stuff. His entrance when they would, you know, say, you know, you know, Machine Gun Carl Anders, or, or he would do that stuff, and he would do it in the camera, and he would, he would just. He, he, he was able to just kind of be himself, like you're saying. He was able to really spread his wings and be very charismatic, and now he's kind of fit in this hole that they're telling him to. And I'm sure it just it, it doesn't work for these guys. And some guys, we just saw that, you know, they can embrace that, and they can go, okay, yeah, here's the script. Here's what I'm supposed to do. I can do this. It's not bad. And then there's guys like Anderson where it's like, oh, my God, like, yeah, this guy was all just natural ability and natural charisma, but he can't, you know, he doesn't have the chops to, you know, act you know, quote unquote act as you're supposed to do in this WWE universe or whatever. He's not an actor. That's not him watching him in this company and how badly the, the whole scripted thing is just destroying him. It really makes me wonder what they have with some of these other guys where we've never seen them. Oh, we talk about it with Dolph Ziggler all the time. Remember, there was that few years ago yeah. where he did that one, the WWE.com exclusive, and it was like, holy shit. Like, you know, he knew that nobody was going to see that thing and nobody cared about it. Nobody was going to notice. So he just went out there and cut this, like, great promo, and everyone's like, holy crap, that's a doll. And then he comes out the next week and does one of his stupid, you know, talking out of the side of his mouth, like, weird stand up routines that he does uh, in his promos. And it's like, oh, geez, like, you know, he's a, a definite example of a guy that we talk about all the time. It's like, oh, man, like, yeah, it's, it's, so it's it's kind of I don't know. I think a babyface turn would do wonders for them. Way too soon for that. Uh, there's a lot of mileage left in this AJ story. Um, I really like the AJ story, but we can get to that when we talk about the main event. Absolutely. So I'll uh, move down to the rest of the card. Uh, speaking of Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin defeated Dolph Ziggler in their first time ever match. Um, <laughs> what do you think of this one? Because it actually wasn't as bad as people kind of let on, but it also wasn't very good just because. How could you possibly care about who wins or, or either of these guys? I think that was the thing. As everybody said, the match was fine, but God, I don't care. Like, you know, Rich, I'm in rare form tonight, so I'm going to give you a hot take. Are you ready for a hot take, Rich? I am ready. This was my favorite match of the night. You were out of your mind. I'm, I'm dead serious, too. I'm not doing <laughs> shtick. I, I'm not saying it was the best match of the night. You just said that. No, I didn't. I said it was my favorite favorite match of the night. Ah, okay, okay, okay. I enjoyed this match more than any other match on this show, okay? Because, first of all, the work was very crisp. I thought both guys did a great job. They had the one spot where Dolph slipped off the ring steps, and Baron Corbin did a tremendous job catching him. It looked natural. It almost looked, if you you didn't watch wrestling your entire life and notice when things go wrong or whatever, that's one that I think, honestly, you would not think that that was yeah, it almost looked like that was how it was supposed to go that Dolph slipped and I think um I forgot who was on commentary but somebody went oh Dolph slipped there and gave Baron just it all he needed to, you know get him in that move so that was a good yes. little cover up by it. And, and I'll tell you I talk about this when I talk about Sabu a lot I like a botch provided it's covered for intelligently nobody covered for botches better than Sabu because he had a ton of practice let's be honest okay the guy was a botch machine especially if you watch them live okay but Sabu was genius in covering for his botches because, you know, he'd set up his chair and he would set up some wacky stunt and he would slip off the chair and fall on his ass. But he wouldn't get back up and just set the thing right back up. He'd sell the fact that he botched. 
and it would feel like a seamless part of the action. It didn't take you out of things. Yeah, and he's a moron, so you believe it. <laughs> like, he's an yes. idiot. Like, you, you believe that every time this guy gets in the ring, he's going to do something stupid and fuck up, and it's part of the whole routine. Now, and I'm convinced, and this has been a theory among other people, and he's tight-lipped about it. I'm convinced a lot of his botches were intentional. But I think the Sabu discussion is for another day. Uh, to this match, again, like you just said, this was a botch, but it was covered for <laughs> nicely. And I think sometimes a minor botch, a really big botch takes, t- takes you out of the match. But a minor botch like that that's covered for nicely, it feels kind of organic, right? It's like, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't mind a match. You know, there's, there's a lot of people who believe – there's a lot of people who dislike – Lance Storm and Christopher Daniels and guys like that who have these reputations for never botching and being wrestling machines. You know how smooth Christopher – like prime Christopher Daniels worked? Yeah. How he was just so smooth. There's a lot of people who thought that was a negative because it looked way too much like a performance because the guy was too fucking good. You know what I mean? So sometimes when a match is a little rough around the edges, I don't mind that. Look, I thought this was an excellent match. I thought it was a lot of fun. I was impressed with Corbin. I was a very impressed. With, I know it's not cool to like Dolph Ziggler anymore, and he has slipped in a lot of ways. But man, does he make he makes Corbin look like a million bucks with his wacky bumping and and his great selling and everything else. I think he's a perfect opponent for Corbin. I thought this match was a lot of fun. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and and I'll, I'll say it, and I think our reviewers did that as well. Everybody sort of assumed, said that it was a good match and that they enjoyed it, but it was just like the story and that that kind of didn't hook you. And I, I think maybe I, I don't know if this match will then entice people that if they ever do have a, if they have another match or if they do the, you know the few continues or anything like that, then maybe that will sort of help people then say, okay, hey, I, I'm kind of into these guys now. Hey, they had a really good match. Now I'm sort of into this feud. Now I'm into these guys. Or if it's just going to be if they continue doing this another month of odds, uh, these guys, because that was the thing. It was just, it wasn't the match itself. Cause I, I, I enjoyed it as well as well. Maybe not as much as you, but I was just taken out of the story. The story, there's nothing. I didn't care who won. It was just like, all right, whatever. Someone's going to win. Someone's going to lose. Like that's the part that kind of disrupted me, but no, very good match. I mean, I think unequivocally a good match. And I think everybody sort of agreed on that uh, A match that I don't know if anybody agreed uh, was a very good match. Charlotte and Dana Brooke versus Natalia and Becky Lynch. Uh, look, the match wasn't any good, but it was all about the angle. Right. So um, that was the important thing. There, Within seconds, you didn't care about the match and remembered absolutely nothing from it. Right. So what do you think about the Natalia turn? I like it because you need something. I mean, you could the, the, the Natalia as she was for what, however many years she's been there, it's just there's nothing there. It's, it's dry. It's boring. Like, they can do all they want, but she doesn't look natural in that role either. And I don't know if she's going to be natural in the heel role. Uh, either or if she's just that's just not what she is she's just not a natural you know any sort of charisma or anything like that but I think it's at least worth a try to give us a, a chance and, and Becky is the perfect one to have this happen to her you know what I mean very much a Sami Zayn like character where it's just like she works better with her friends being assholes to her and her being that baby like it, so I like that idea I like that combo but it remains to be seen if Natalia can really handle that role but I thought she did well in the first I, I like the conflicted I always love that the conflicted bad person I always like that where she didn't really want to do it but something got in her and she just had to do it I, I like Samoa that. Joe that's very human yeah it's very human Samoa Joe turning on Finn Balor um yeah so I, look I think it's interesting she definitely needed freshening up there was no one more stale than Natalia. And the big problem with Natalia as a uh, as a babyface gatekeeper of sorts in the division, like I think Larry had mentioned on our forums, visit the Voices of Wrestling forums for some uh, tremendous wrestling discussion, and including the uh, Divas thread, Rich, where this is being discussed in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I, I agree, but that with Larry, that you know she was comfortable in that role as the babyface gatekeeper or whatever. 
but it was stale to the viewer. And she really comes off like a giant dork, and she's hard to get behind and rally behind. I really think Becky Lynch is better, better for that role because people care about Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And she, she emotes better than Natalia does. And Becky Lynch is like a female Sami Zayn. She's a lot like a female Sami Zayn where she has that quality where she has this likable underdog, uh, always, you know, you, want, you finally want her to pull it out. So I think she's better for that role than Natalia is. And maybe one day WWE will actually tell that story like NXT did, but, which is a real story too. It's not that hard. It's very easy. It's a real story, but you know, yeah, one day, one day they will. And, and you know, how great was that when, when, when Becky came up just short trying to win the title in NXT? I mean, it suited her perfect. That was one of my favorite matches the whole year last yeah, year. Yeah, and, and it's like the storytelling, uh, you know, throughout the whole thing and through the match. And then her, remember her post-match reactions and how great they were? Like, it just matched who she is so well. You know, I think she'll be better in that role than Natalia can be. And that's a valuable, that's a very valuable role in a wrestling company. You know, if they ever get their shit straight with the, with, with the women, that's, that can be a very valuable role. I mean, no role is valuable with the women now because it's just, you know, they just keep fucking it up. But they're, they're finding their footing. This is new to them. I'll give them a benefit of the doubt. But Natalia definitely need freshening up. And I'm interested to see if she could pull off being a heel. She's been a wrestler her whole life. She came up in wrestling. She might find something here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let's dye that hair dark and get rid of that. I know you ripped her on Twitter. What'd you say about her haircut? The Yorkie hair. She's got Yorkie hair. Like when you go to the groomer with your Yorkie, like that's what you end up with is what Natalia's hair looks like. Man, a certain segment of fans love that tweet, Rich. You were over that <laughs> night. Was a, I know. I'm over yeah, that Yorkie night. tweets. Yeah. Man, they, you they earned some follows too. A whole new <laughs> segment of fans were into that tweet. I don't think they're going to stick around. I feel like uh, within a few weeks they're going to say, yeah, you know what? This is not what I want at all. But yeah. You don't know. Who knows? You ever you ever check when someone follows us and you're just like, oh, they're not going to last. You oh, absolutely. Yeah, I look at the profile and I'm like, nope, 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 yeah, nope. You're, no. out you're out of here in a week. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I, I feel like DMing them and being like, you should probably just go now. Like, it's all right. Like, like girl with the Roman Reigns avatar with hearts around it. You're not going to last. <laughs> I mean, thank you for the follow, but this is going to be very short lived. Yeah, if Nikki Bella's your uh, your <laughs> avatar and you have like, or I, I love the people that in their profile they were like they'll tell you when they got followed by or tweeted at by a star. Yes. Have you ever seen those people? Yes. Where it's like followed by Dolph Ziggler in August of 2014. Like I just want to DM you and be like, it's over. Like, just you're not gonna make it. <laughs> you're gonna hate as us. As you're we, gonna hate us. As soon as we make fun of you for seeking autographs, you're you're out. You know, <laughs> if you're a Lucha Underground fan, you're not gonna last very long. Yeah, or if your avatar is like a picture of you at a convention, like hugging Bray Wyatt or something like that, or like you know with your arm around uh, like Zack Ryder or something, it's over. You're yeah, done. Like you're I not. Mean, you're not gonna like us. You're just not gonna like us. <laughs> We're not your type. It, so. it really isn't you. It's us. I mean, honestly, you're just not. No, gonna it like really. Us. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's like, you're, you're getting into a different area of wrestling Twitter. Like we don't go to your part of wrestling Twitter. Don't come to ours. It, it's, it's best hey, listen, that we just don't, you know, welcome interact to come to ours. I'm just saying they're not going to last. That's they're going to know they're going to hate they're it. Hate so it's guts. probably better. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, move on. Uh, Apollo Crews defeating Sheamus. What'd you think of this guy? Our old boy. Ua nation His big moment. He finally defeated Sheamus. Uh, yeah. I thought his, uh, moonsault off the apron looked fantastic. And, um, yeah. I think that. He shouldn't have won with like a schoolboy. That was kind of stupid. <laughs> Crucifix, yeah. Um, that you know, it's like if he's gonna beat Sheamus, and if there's any value in beating Sheamus, have him beat him. Just beat it's Sheamus. Who cares? Then fucking beat Sheamus because the thing about it right yeah. now is you're not doing anything with Sheamus. So what you know, you can hit you can hit the reset button on fucking Sheamus and his goofy haircut anytime you want. 
You know what I mean? You, you, you're not killing Sheamus by losing to this guy clean because you can take Sheamus off of Raw for a week or you can draft him to SmackDown. And if you want to push him to the fucking moon again, you can do that. And everyone will buy into it as much as you could ever buy into a Sheamus push. You know what I mean, Rich? So why can't he just beat this guy? Very silly. Yeah, I, I'll never get that. They, they're very weird about that. And especially, you know, we talk about a Cruz and he's a guy who, who's just suffering so much because they just won't. They won't develop a character. What, what's this guy's motivation? What's his character? Why is he here? What does he want to do? We don't know anything. He smiles, and he wins by banana peel win. Like, that's terrible. Don't do that. It's not going to work. I can tell you right now, it's not going to work. No. And, that, that, and it's not working. Nobody cares about him. Why would you care about Why? Again, WWE Universe fan, get in their eyes. Why would you care about this guy? What, what does this guy do for you? Oh, then he smiles. That's it. He's the guy who smiles that's a lot. It. Which is great, and he's got a certain charisma to him if you would push him in the right fashion. Um, I, I get that they're not fully confident in his ring work, but again, that's on you. Why'd you call him up? You know what I mean? It's Why'd you call him up then? I'll tell you why you called him up. Because they call up all of the mid-level NXT guys who aren't necessarily ready yet, like Apollo Crews and Baron Corbin, because you can't call up Finn Balor and Samoa Joe and Nakamura because you have to fill the 8,000-seat buildings that they're touring in. Right. They're not going to Largo with uh, No Way Jose and you know, well, Dash Well, they'll go to Largo with those people, but the, yeah. you can't go on – like NXT's coming back to Houston in July. Remember I went in September, I guess it was. Yeah, I guess the traveling shows. Yeah, and, those are going to be dead. Yeah, you yeah. can't – so that's why they call up the mid-level people because they got to keep the stars in NXT so that Paul's little vanity promotion can draw on the road. And that's the conundrum that they've put themselves in. Yeah, they're doing a Louisville, like Indianapolis run, I think, in the August or something like that, a little Midwest run as well. So, yeah, you can't. Uh... See, in the old days, the top guys would get called up. You know, like Big E would get called up after his title run. Neville would get called up after his title run. You know what I mean? Now, because they need these guys to draw on the road, they don't call up the top guys. They call up the middle guys. And oftentimes, in the case of Cruz and Aaron <laughs> Corbin and whatnot, the middle guys just aren't ready. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's, it turns out to be a mistake and detrimental, potentially detrimental to their careers. All right, now we'll move on to the next match, one that I think we're going to differ on here. AJ Styles defeating John Cena. You said you did not like this match. Well, or you were meh on it, meh. Yeah, yeah, that was my exact quote. Yes, meh, as you're pulling up the tweets. Look, it was a good match. I'm not saying it wasn't a good match. It was certainly underwhelming to me, and I thought it was very, very sloppy. There are times when John Cena is a great pro wrestler, and there are times when John Cena is a lousy pro wrestler. And this was one of those examples where John Cena was not a very good pro wrestler. And I made a tweet that this is what prevents John Cena from being an all-time top-tier elite all-timer. And people got very mad at me. Um, But I think they misconstrued my point. I wasn't saying he's not like a a great pro wrestler or anything like that. I'm saying he's not an elite top-tier all-timer because he has too many of these spotty performances over the years that your elite top-level all-timers do not have. Uh, So that's all I meant by that. Everyone knows, who listens to the show knows, I have great respect for John Cena, and we have never been Cena enough guys, ever. That's never been the MO of me or the show. But, Rich, if I throw some names at you, can you tell me with a straight face that he's as good as any of the following people? I'll go through them one by one, just off the top of my head. This is in-ring and everything all together. No, in-ring. In-ring. In-ring, okay. Historically. Brian Danielson. No. Mitsuhara Misawa. No. Kenta Kobashi. No. Um, Nick Bockwinkle. I don't know if I've seen enough of okay, Bockwinkle. So you, so I, yeah, I, I won't say. I'll, I'll pass on that Rick one. Flair. No. Um, uh, uh, 
Toshiaki Kawada. Uh, no, I like Kawada a lot. So. Um, Hiro- uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, no. Um, I mean, I could go on. That's the yeah. level I'm talking about. Your all-time greatest wrestlers of all time. Ter- Terry, is he as good as Terry Funk? Oh God, no, no. I mean, these are this is that's Terry's what I back. meant by that point. <laughs> I mean, these are your, yeah. these are consensus like all-time top ten wrestlers of all time. He's not on that level. That's all I'm saying. He's on the next tier. Is there anything insulting about being on the next tier? I mean, okay. Now, is he better than Kurt Hennig? Yes. And Kurt Hennig's an excellent pro wrestler, right? but I'd put him ahead of Kurt. Wouldn't you put him ahead of Kurt Hennig? I would. Uh, yeah, and I, I love Kurt Hennig. So I why? Love Kurt, my favorite yeah. wrestlers of all time. Yeah. Um, but I'd put him ahead of a guy like that. You know, it's like that's like just those high level. Yeah, a lot of really good high level matches throughout his career. Uh, that's sure. like a third or fourth level guy. Cena's probably a second or third tier all time wrestler. I can't put him on the first tier. Think of all the really shitbag matches he's had over the years. You know, he has a lot of great matches, but he puts in performances like this. And okay. You know, there's the possibility he was jet lagged and he had some ring rust. But hey, look, you get in the ring, you do. You, this is a bad performance. It wasn't a good performance. He was bad. Um, he was not good in this match. There was a lot of sloppy spots. He looked like he was sort of moving in slow motion. It looked like he was wrestling underwater. You know, he was not able to keep up with AJ Styles, which, by the way, is not an easy task because he's not. AJ Styles is a top tier all timer, in my opinion, after the last three years. And I don't. That was. <laughs> That was going to be my point where I was going to say, because I love this match, and the reason I love this match is because I thought AJ Styles, this match through and through was an AJ Styles match. Cena was an accessory in this match. Like, yeah, I, I'll admit, yeah, he was a little sloppy at points. He was slow. He seemed like he, he was kind of shaking out some ring rust or whatever, but that didn't deter the match at all for me because this was an AJ Styles performance through and through. This entire thing was AJ being the smarter guy. He In this buildup, he had said, you know, hey, if I was here 13 years ago, you wouldn't have all those accolades because I'm better than you. And he was, the, and, and that's what the match was. It was Cena going, okay, well, here's my little signature move, and AJ having a, a, a reaction, having a counter for every single thing that Cena wanted to do. Oh, you think you're going to do this? I know what you're going to supposed to do. Oh, you're doing the five knuckle shuffle. Oh, I already scouted that. Like that was what I loved about this match is that it didn't matter what Cena did for me. Really, it honestly did because it was AJ doing everything in this match. This was a hundred percent, I thought in AJ Styles' match, working with, with whoever. It didn't have to. I mean, Cena was, again, I, I will say, I, I said it you know, at the time, and I said it in my review, and I said it, Cena was an accessory in this match, which is, is, is you know, I guess you could say it goes kind of your point, but in this, it was AJ was so damn good, I thought. It was just awesome to see any single thing that he had, any single counter, every, it, AJ had a thing for it. AJ said, I'm ready, I studied you, I know all your signature moves, you don't know anything of mine. You know, you, you're, you're the one who was here yeah, doing your that thing while well, I was the, out the doing my thing. Too early in the match. Yeah. Right. You don't know anything about me. I'm, I'm new to you. I know everything about you, though. I've watched you. I know what you do. I know your signatures. I know all that sort of stuff. That, I love that aspect of this match. It was AJ had scouted him and was ready, and Cena hadn't scouted him. Cena just came off the scrap heap and said, oh, you're you. Okay, let's go, or whatever. That's, I love that story. So I thought I enjoyed the match a lot. No, John Cena did not have a good performance. He was very clunky, very weird, very slow. But to me, it didn't matter because AJ was just so damn good that it, it, it didn't derail the match whatsoever, whatever Cena did. Yeah, um, I, I agree that Styles was just out of this world. And I would put him on that top. I'm p- fully prepared. He's there. Yeah, to he's put there. put him on that top level, all-time, super elite class with all those guys I just named. And I think you would agree. I think you just did agree. Um, I, I'm ready, man. I think he's on that. Yeah. Level. Well, what this is, what this basically, what this WWE run has really done for me, and, and Garrett Kidney did a great job of for our website doing a lot of stuff before he went to WWE of saying that yes, this guy was in Japan and had great stuff, but man, he had really good matches in TNA as well, and nobody watched it, and I know you didn't see it, and I know you only saw some, 
But he did. He reviewed that DVD. That TNA came out. He he did a bunch of articles that said, this is what you need to watch of AJ. This is why he's so good. And I've made a plan of sometime in the summer. I'm going to go, because I've seen some of them. I've picked and choose some here and there. But really going back and watching as many of those AJ TNA matches as I can, because Garrett has said, this guy is great. He was great in TNA. Like, you didn't see it. You didn't watch it. Nobody did. He's not blaming you. He's not getting mad at you. But he's saying, hey, look, when you're talking about all-time greats, here's another part of this guy's career that a lot of people just don't know about. And it's there. And it's great. I think one of the next great wrestling discoveries is AJ Styles' TNA work. Yeah. I really do. And unfortunately, there's still not a very good way to see it. I mean, they had that DVD that they came out with, so I guess you could buy that. But without them having a great, you know, <laughs> a streaming network, it's not as easy to sort of see this stuff. But there's ways to see it. But it's not, you know. Yeah. We're spoiled. <laughs> I want to just, I want to roll into my TV. I want to turn on my PS4 right now and watch all of it. I can't. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very unique. And if, if you wanted to seek those out, definitely just look up uh, Garrett Kidney, AJ Styles. Uh, on Voice of Wrestling, and you can find a bunch of his articles where he reviewed. He reviewed literally every single AJ Styles like world title match and, and big time match or whatever. So they're all there. Uh, but yeah, that's something I really want to discover because people were talking about this um, uh, on Monday. I saw of okay, Observer Hall of Fame season's coming. AJ Styles is a guy who's traditionally not done very well. Is now he going to do it, it, because of this WWE run? Is he going to do well? And I think yes. I think he absolutely will because I think his eye people have opened their eyes to him of seeing what he is. And, and, and I'll contend as well that we can't ignore that Russell Kingdom is a part of this year as well. Like we kind of forget, you know, it was six months ago, but he was the semi main event of Russell And a Kingdom. lot of people gave that match five stars. Right. <laughs> like I, it, it's hard to believe. It seems like it's like three years ago, but yeah, that was six months ago that he was, you know, the semi main of Russell Kingdom and arguably had the best match on that entire show. And with AJ having all these great matches in this company and it's like fresh in voters' eyes, I can see what you're saying. Um, in terms of uh, Hall of Fame vote later, he, he's going to get a bu- – well, is he, he's not going to be on the ballot again though, right? Didn't he get below 5% again? Uh, yeah, but if it's one of those things where everybody kind of said – I mean it might not be – well, yeah, did he – I I got to look up what he had last year. Because he went back wise. on and I'm not sure if he got over 5%. He was off for one year because, remember, he got z- literally zero votes. Yeah, right, right. Which is amazing when you think about it. He got literally zero votes a few years ago, went off the ballot, came back on last year, and I'm not confident that he got the 5%. But I am fully confident. Oh, he did fall off. Okay, he did fall so off. So he won't be on it this year, but I think he'll be on it next year. People are going to be asking. They're going to say put him, him back on. Or, or, or Dave might put him back on there as well. Well, you know, Dave will do that as well. If a guy has has done something in his career, and I would say having a, like a, a main, a, like a you know six or seven month awesome main event run in WWE and semi main eventing Wrestle Kingdom, we'll probably get you back on there. If he wins so. Wrestler of the Year again, didn't he win it? Uh, oh no, he didn't win it. Nakamura won it last year. Yeah. So if he wins Wrestler of the Year and has a has a strong full year in WWE, I think people will ask for him to put be back to to be put back on. I got to be honest with you, I would be very compelled to vote for him now. And mm-hmm. and people could accuse me of recency bias, and that's look that might have something to do with it. <laughs> oh, it absolutely does. You can accuse me all you want because it's absolutely what it but is. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is. And I've made this argument for other people before. I made this argument for Brian Danielson, who it was an absolute crime that he didn't get in. And I think, and I'm on record saying, if you didn't vote for Brian Danielson, I think you're, you have a fucking screw loose. And there's something like, I don't want to knock other voters, but when you're that good of a pro wrestler, how can you not vote? Like, if someone was that good of a draw, comparable to how good these guys guys are as pro wrestlers, Rich, they get in with 95. percent It's a fucking double standard when it comes to the drawing portion against the working portion. It's a fucking double standard, and I think it's bullshit. So I, I, w- I voted for Brian Danielson. I thought he was the biggest no-brainer on the ballot. 
I'm pretty sure I'd vote for AJ Styles. If I think he's an elite top-tier all-time worker, how can you not vote for him? So, yeah, I, I think he's there. All right, uh, move on to the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, Ambrose, uh, Del Rio, Cesaro, Jericho, Owens, Zane, of course, Ambrose won. What do you think of this guy? Dave, of course, loved it because it was a ladder. (laughs) And uh, Dave, you know, every ladder match is Dave's first ladder match ever. What Dave give this? Uh, I think he gave it four and a half. Four and a half? Four and a quarter. I think he might, or maybe it was four and a quarter. Let me me, uh, clarify that. Four and a half is like match of the year territory. Yeah, let me see. I, I don't want to slander the uh, the young man, but uh, I think it was somewhere in that range. Let me uh, let me fire it up real quick. It was probably more than I would give it. I gave it about I, I gave it about three and a half, which is interesting because as I was watching the match in real time, and I may have yeah four four and a quarter four and a quarter is what Dave gave okay. it. Okay, um, I may have I no. may have even tweeted this, but when I was watching the match, I was thinking to myself, I was kind of disappointed at myself for not liking it. Because if this match took place in 1983, it would be considered one of the greatest matches in the history of wrestling with some of the things they were doing. But the fact of the matter is, Rich, this isn't 1983. And this wasn't one of the greatest matches of all time. And it was way too long. And I just think I've seen too many of these multi-man ladder matches. I just have. And they don't connect with me anymore. And um, I respect the effort. And I respect that they put their bodies on the line. There was one spot that really exemplified my point. Dean Ambrose came off the top of the ladder, which was positioned in the center of the ring, and he did a flying elbow drop onto a standing opponent. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was Kevin Owens, although I could be wrong about who he landed on or who caught him. If that spot had been done in 1982 or something, it would have been in every magazine. It would have been considered a historical spot, and we'd all be talking about Dean Ambrose's suicidal elbow drop off the top of the ladder to Kevin Owens. And how wrestling is getting too unsafe. <laughs> like, you know. And, and it's, it's, it would be held in the same reverence as the Jimmy Snuka dive on, you know, uh, uh, Superfly Splash off the cage, which, it, which happens maybe on every indie show. It, that dive off the cage might happen every weekend on an indie show somewhere now. But my point being is that Dean Ambrose flying elbow spot, which would have been one of the greatest historical spots of all time if it happened 30 years ago, it was a mid-card spot that a mid-match spot that barely garnered a reaction and yeah. wasn't even built to as a major spot. And I'm sitting here watching this match thinking I should really like this more than I do, but I've seen it all and, I, yeah. and I've really – I've just had enough. And it's not that I thought it was a bad match, but I didn't think it was a great match and it's not a match I ever want to watch again. Yeah, that's exactly my thing with it as well. And, and, and I do usually typically like these a lot. And, and I was going into this, you know, we did our preview last week and I said, oh, I can't wait because it's, you know, it's got Ambrose, it's got Owens, it's got Zane, you know, the, the Cesaro, those guys are going to bust their ass. You know, Jericho knows what he's doing in there. He's been in enough of these. Del Rio is Del Rio. So whatever. But like, I, I there was just, it was going to be good. I, I was, and then it was over and I was just like, okay, yeah. I mean, it, it probably, part of it could have been, I was also watching game seven in the NBA finals at the time and it was kind of diverting my attention in ways, but it, it, that I think that's one of the points is that I was able to take my eyes off. I was looking, and like you're saying, Dean Ambrose was coming off the top, and guys were falling from really far, and you know they were setting up ladder in- intricate things or whatever. And my attention was, nah, you know, I'm going to watch this basketball game instead. Like, it, it, and that I think is a, is not necessarily my fault for having that sort of split, you know, you know, attention, but that they weren't doing anything in the ring that I was going, oh my god, like I can't take my eyes off this. Oh, oh you know, oh my god, if I even for a second look away, I'm going to miss something. 
I was confident in that, yeah, you know, whatever. I can miss something. It's not a big deal. You know, we had two TVs set up, and I was watching the finals. And I looked back, and I went, okay, you know, Ambrose is doing this. Okay, whatever. What's going on in the basketball game? That's not good. And, yeah, I think it's just that we've seen so many of these. Uh, we'll talk about it uh, with when we talk about New Japan Dominion as well. Of I don't know what it was. There was just I, – I just – maybe I finally outgrew these ladder matches or – this one maybe just I, I don't know if, if other people agree that it just wasn't that good or if maybe it's you and I or whatever, but it just I, I don't know. It just it never it never caught me. Nothing in this match really I, I wasn't intrigued of who was gonna win. The spots were fine. They they were you know, guys took these ridiculous bumps. They weren't like through ladders or through tables or, or like that, but guys were taking really scary bumps, you know, and landing on their hips and landing on their shoulders. But and when it was all said and done, like you said, I went, Oh, okay, and I'll never watch it again and I'll never think about it ever again. And that's not good. I don't want these guys killing themselves and me go, eh, whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, I really think if this was the first ever Money in the Bank match, we would have thought it was a classic. But we've seen mm-hmm. so much now. And I feel – I genuinely feel bad for not loving it because I know that those guys killed themselves. You know, it's just – but it is what it is. It's a problem. I mean, let's look at it. Like, you know, seven months ago, we had a TLC. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was, and there was that great ladder match with uh, the tag ladder match when Kalisto, you know, broke out the Kalisto Usos, and I forgot who else. There was another team in there that I'm blanking on right now, but that's another one that, that you look at and you go, "Oh my god, that was spectacular!" That was one that it woke everybody up. That was you know only you know six or seven months ago, and that was way better than this. So it, it, it we're just there's just not that much time between these sort of style matches that it's hard to unless they're going to be all time great spectaculars that they're not going to reach out to you. And, so. and in order to do that, you've got to continually top what people have done before and it's just gotten too dangerous Mm -hmm. and I think that's part of it so they had to reel it back a little bit these guys can push the envelope and get and do crazier shit but is it worth the risk I'm not sure so I think that's part of it too and you didn't have a ton of like high fly look they used to stack these matches with mid-card high flyers like Evan Bourne and Shelton Benjamin and guys who you know what I mean and they don't really do that anymore because now with the stakes that are involved and where the winner almost always wins the title unless you're Damian Sandow, you, you got to be a star to win the, to win the case. Uh, we have Rusev versus Titus O'Neil. I will not lie. The NBA Finals were in their last minute. I did not watch a minute of this. So. You didn't miss anything. It was basically a, <laughs> a, a long squash match. I mean, Titus had his moments. I turned away and Rusev was yelling at young black children. I don't know what the context of that was. That was great. <laughs> those, those were Titus's kids? Rusev yelling at young black children was fantastic. Those were, was it Wally? Because I thought Wally was in there too. Are, I know you're a big Wally fan. Was 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 those were those no, Titus no, it was Titus's kids? kids. Okay, was, well, Wally was there too, right? I don't know if he was there. I swore I saw him. Okay, well, whatever. Okay, I, I don't know. I don't know if Wally was there, um, <laughs> but uh, I know who that is. By the way, I know you. You know, I play stupid sometimes. I know who that is. Uh, it, it was Titus's. What's, kid. Your favorite, what's your favorite Wally song? I don't like any of his music, Rich. I'm okay. Not gonna lie to you. Um, look, I'm not a hip hop fan. No, that. <laughs> it's fine. That's fine. No, I don't. I'm not one of these bashers, though. You know what I mean? You know, it's it's that annoys me. I don't like people who do that. Um, but it's like I'll bash the country, though. I do troll the people locally and bash the country. But here's here's the, well, they should be ashamed, they should be ashamed of themselves. It's like so. um, see the pop country. It's not that I'm a fan, but I can tolerate it if it's playing in a restaurant or something. But like the hardcore hillbilly country, I can't even tolerate it. Much like the hip hop, I got to get it right off my radio. I can't even – I can't listen to it. Uh, but uh, it's um, – what was I saying? They were Titus's kids okay. because it was Father's Day, Rich. Right. And Titus, of course, as you know, is the greatest father of all time. <laughs> There's never been a father like Titus O'Neil. No father can compare to the father that Titus O'Neil is. He plays board games with his kids. Did you see that one commercial? An absolute hero to all. <laughs> this man cares about his children 
He <laughs> feeds them. They, they, they showed him feeding them, which is another important distinction. So that's that's. He he. Listen, he rewards them when they get good grades. <laughs> he feeds them dinner. Yes, I remember he tweeted, uh, "My boys got bees, so we're off to GameStop." Listen, this is. <laughs> I never. What the fuck? I never got anything for getting bees. He's literally. That's bullshit. He's literally the father of the year because he really did win that. Mm-hmm. This man is a tremendous father. Uh, I hear he throws the ball around in the backyard. Rich, did you did you hear that? I heard that. Oh, yeah. he's doing a lot for these kids. But it was Father's Day, and his his kids were there in the front row, and uh, you know, so Rusev mocked and trolled his children after <laughs> he tapped out the father, which was tremendous. I mean, it's absolutely great stuff. I mean, he's mocking the kids and making fun of their father right in front of them. You know, this was like a, a literal, like, my dad could beat up your dad moment, and it really happened. I don't think Rusev has any kids, but yes. So he was mocking young black children, and it was fabulous. It was just a great moment. All right, and then, of course, the main event, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns. We kind of talked about that a little bit, but do you have anything else to add uh, about the match? Yeah, I thought Seth Rollins worked circles around him and worked really hard and was a guy who who seemed to be out to prove that, that he was healthy, and could go out there and perform. And once again, Roman just wasn't the alpha in the match. And I, that really bothers me. And I really think what a heel turn can really do for him, a point that I forgot to make because I was rambling like a maniac, but I, I, what I think a, a heel turn can really do for him is you have to work as the alpha as a heel. You know what I mean? You really don't have a choice. If he goes on the road and works all these house show matches as the heel because you, you're going to be controlling 80% of the match, I really think that'll help get that out of him. And that's what we're not getting out of Roman Reigns. He's just this mm-hmm. charismaless, dry, boring void when he's in the ring who doesn't really show much personality at all and really <coughs> doesn't have any swagger. And, uh, you know, that's very important, and I think a heel turn would help him in that regard. I thought uh, he was very – his performance was very forgettable in this match. I thought uh, Rollins worked hard enough. I thought it was a good match, not a great match, not even close to a great match. I don't know what people are talking about calling this a great match. I didn't see this as a great match at all. Maybe you disagree, uh, but yeah. No, I, I thought it was fine. Uh, that's about it. I mean, there <sighs> – it, it was kind of boring. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it it's just – It never really hooked- wasn't it? Yeah, it was very plotting, and I think that was the word that I use. That's the word a lot of people use. It was just, it was plotting. Yeah, that, that's it's just a good word. Like people just couldn't really put their finger on it, but it was like, yeah, this should be in a higher gear, but it's really just not. And then it was kind of just over. And then like, you know, Seth went clean, and it was like, I the people I was watching with, we all just kind of looked at each other, and went, oh, okay, like. Seth Rollins is the champion then, I guess. And then, of course, you know, Dean Ambrose cashes in all that sort of stuff. But the match itself, if you cut that off, if Ambrose doesn't cash in, like, we all just kind of looked at each other and we're like, oh, okay. And, like, especially with the, the time that, I mean, the show was running really late. I think this match didn't start uh, until after 10 p.m. for us in the central time zone. So it was like, all right, guys, like, are you in a rush or what's going on? Like, and they just kind of worked a normal, you know, 15-minute match. But, yeah, I think plotting is the best word to say. It's just at no point did it have really enter energy. I mean, this is supposed to be a big feud of Roman Reigns and, and versus the, you know, the champion versus the guy that, that, you know, broke up the shield. And it was just kind of there. It just never really did anything. So, yeah, I like Seth, you know, getting screwed out of the title again, but again, why isn't he the baby face in this scenario? I mean, we know why he's not because, um, you know, it, it's, it was the range train. You can't bring back Rollins as a baby face cause he's going to outshine Reigns, but now that they've set the scene and they've set this up where, where, where Rollins has kind of been, you know, one time he had his title taken from him due to injury and the second time Dean Ambrose screwed him over for the title, which was comeuppance for the way Rollins won it to begin with, which we've come full circle. But you can really turn this in sort of a really good babyface story now with Rollins. And I really think fans, 
we talked about them missing two windows with Dean Ambrose. Don't you think this is sort of the end of a window with Rollins that they really need to take advantage of right now, and they have a great opportunity to do so now that Reigns got popped? Yeah, and why is he a heel? Like, yeah, make him a baby face. I mean, they, they probably already ruined that a little bit, but I think you can still do something I with think it. That, I think we're at- People still want to cheer him. People still like the guy. People generally like the guy. So, yeah, you, you have something there. I think the window's about to be slammed shut if they don't hurry up, but I think the window's still open to make this guy a mega baby face. And, you know, maybe they'll sit in the room on Monday and rip up the, the script and say, fuck it, Roman's gone, let's just go with this guy because we've got a chance here. You know, he, he came back, you know, with that mega pop. I mean, you should have rode that wave, but it was the range train, man. You can't get in the way of the range train, Rich. But now maybe they can do it. But they'll probably fuck that up, too, because now they're going with Ambrose and the timing's all wrong for Ambrose. I don't <laughs> think Ambrose is going to catch on. I think the timing's all wrong. He looked like too much of a, a, a geek for too long. And I, I, well, and Rod didn't help either. He was already back to the normal. Like, instead of him being like, all right, let, let's kind of wash a little bit out of the way. Let's have him just be, you know, he can be Dean Ambrose, but he can be a little bit more serious, you know, a little more grounded or whatever. Instead, he, you know, he forgot his title in his car and he's a goofball. He he's a rodeo clown his, again. His shoelaces were tied yeah. together. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, where's the title? Like, already within four minutes of him being a champion on Raw, he was already yeah. an idiot. And it's like, he's, God he's damn it. Once again, the rodeo clown. Nobody wants a rodeo clown. Who's going to root for that? Nobody roots for the clown. He, he like, should be. He should be a little sleazy, he should be a little creepy, and he should be the smartest guy in the room. I want Onita. I want him just smoking. Just smoke a lot. Like, be sleazy, kind of look dirty, and then smoke. And then, that's fine. You can be cool collected. When he was in the shield, he was sleazy, he was real creepy, and he was the smartest guy in the room. That will get over. That is what was getting over at various points. The goofy rodeo clown who has a pet plant, is never getting over at that level. He needs to be the smartest guy in the room. That's the key. And be creepy while he's doing it. You know, they, he doesn't come off as unstable to me. He just comes off like a guy who's, uh, like, who's a goofball and he's a little daft. That's how he comes off to me. And I keep saying, you know, that's not unstable. I want him to be creepy and sleazy. And, so I think they missed it with him. I think the window's still open with Seth. Monday will be very interesting. All right. Uh, that's it for Money in the Bank. Uh, let's move to New Japan. Talk about the uh, Dominion 619 show. Uh, let, let's jump to the main event or the kind of the important matches, and then we'll kind of go uh, to the lesser ones because sure. it would be very – I don't want to talk about the Bullet Club versus the Hunter Club right now. Uh, we can wait a little bit on that because I do want to talk about the main event and a few of the top two uh, matches. But, of course – uh, Okada defeating Naito to win back the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, his fourth reign uh, with the title. This was a point of much contention, surprise, surprise, uh, from a lot of people, uh, a lot of fans, a lot of wrestling Twitter. What was your reaction You know, when Okada won and he started his reign and Naito lost? Because that was something we we were kind of conflicted on last week when we previewed it. It's like it's a little too soon for Naito, we thought, but you know, it, you can't have Okada just lose all the time either. What was your thoughts going in or, or, or coming out of Dominion, rather? Well, it's like I said last week, I really think... I would have been okay with either finish, but I really think an Okada loss would have damaged Okada more than a Naito loss damages Naito. I don't think this loss damages Naito at all, not a single bit. I think he comes out of this match exactly the same as he came in. And I don't think, I think if Okada would have lost, it wouldn't have like ruined Okada or destroyed his drawing power or made him a lesser star, but I think they would have had some work to do 
to make him look legitimate again because he would have lost the two matches in a row and everything else. And then I think it would have been a no brainer that he would have to win, not only win G1, but I, I would think he would have to dominate G1. He, I don't think he could win G1 with like three losses, not coming off the two losses. But that's neither here nor there now because he ended up winning the match, which I thought was the right call. It doesn't hurt Naito at all. A lot of times these first-time reigns are relatively short. A lot of times they lose in their first defense. And I think someone on our board made such an excellent point. It was Shining Wiz. Are you familiar with this Shining Wiz? Yep, of course. Of course. He made the great point that a lot of times you know, we want these super long title reigns and everything. And the longest, you know, the most consecutive defenses, of course, was Tanahashi. I think it was something like 11 defenses is the all-time record. And a lot of these defenses, if you look historically, a lot of these IWGP title runs are not that long. You know, a lot of them are less than 100 days. A good percentage of them are less than 200 days. Most of them are two or three defenses tops. And the reason being, the story in New Japan is that it's really fucking hard to keep this title. It, you got to get out of the Western mindset. It's it, it's sort of a it's a different mindset there. The mindset is all of these challenges are super physically uh, exertive, uh, incredibly hard things to get through. That's sort of the mindset in New Japan. You know, it's like even when there's like what we consider a throat, like everyone in the world knew that he wasn't that Naito wasn't losing the Ishii, but in the storyline of things. You know, all of these title defenses are, 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 are massive challenges for these champions, which is why you don't see these super long reigns. I don't think it hurts Naito at all. And when you take a step back from it, you wrote a tremendous article which laid out why it was absolutely the right move to go back to Okada. And the story of the match was, was laid out perfectly where Naito finally – Okada finally goaded this man into facing him fair and square – Mm-hmm. With no one at ringside, and you tell it because you wrote this. You wrote the story. Yeah. Uh, real quickly before I do that, I want to do. Uh, I was looking at the reigns. Uh, you had mentioned, uh, you know, IWGP, you know, heavyweight championship reigns, and how many guys don't have really long reigns. Fifteen guys have reigns where they had no successful defenses. Zero defenses. And then there's uh, an additional one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen guys that only had one successful defense. Yeah. And these are heavy hitters too. These are some big right. names. <laughs> you know, we're not talking about uh, you know Nakanishi getting a token career. Uh, you know, you know the gold gold watch title run. You know. Yeah, we got we got three of Tanahashi right here. We got one successful defense. Uh, some guy named Fujinami. Uh, some guy named Ricky Chozu. Uh, these are zeros, by the way. Two Fujinami ones. A Chono. A Tenru. Like, yeah, we're we're talking. Yeah, that's all time great. Top tier all time greats. Rich, the best of the best. Sasaki is in there too. Can't say Sasaki's in there a few times as well. So yeah, we're uh... so uh, by no means is a seventy day. Uh, V2 loss by Naito, some sort of insult. Not at all. Not even close. Now for the match itself. Yeah, like I, I wrote in the article, of course, at voicewrestling.com. You can check it out. Um, of that, I love the, the aspect of this match. You know me. My favorite thing in wrestling is when a guy has a stable of guys that come in and interfere or whatever, and for whatever reason, whether it's the opponent tells him, hey, let's do this one-on-one, or that guy says, no, I'm going to do it one-on-one, which is a great thing. I love when they do that, too, but I like this as well, where Okada said, hey, I don't have my guy here. And he looked around and showed, yeah, hey, look, you don't see Gato, right? I don't want your guys. Let's just do this. You and I. And he even pointed to him. He, he did like the, the little the hand thing. It was like just one, one. You, you, and me. None of these other guys. None of this bullshit. Let's just have a real match. And Okada won. Okada was the better man on that night. And then he also, uh, after the match, which was cool as well, he, 
and, and I mentioned this in the article as well, he was the one that did the promo then. It wasn't Gato, because a lot of times Gato will get on the mic, and then Gato does all the talking for Okada. This time, no. It was Okada that grabbed the mic. Uh, Alan Cunahan, of course, Alan 4L on Twitter mentioned that as well, that this was Okada's stage. For one of the first times ever, there was no Gato. There was nobody else. It was Okada by himself. And when he was on the mic, we got great translations from people, from uh, Chris Charlton uh, and a few others that was saying, he said, hey, this is how IWGP Heavyweight Championship matches should be. It should be one-on-one. It shouldn't be this crap. It should be a, a, a match of let's find out who the better man is. And that was cool. And the crowd reacted to that. We heard the crowd going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it, it works in that story of Okada saying, okay, look, when you don't have the other bullshit with you, when you don't have missed, when you don't have five guys coming out, when you don't have guys under the ring, and, and guys interfering and guys debuting or whatever when it's just one-on-one i was the better man this night that doesn't mean it's that naito's dead and gone and, and forever but on this night i was better i you know you you only got to where you were at this point because of this stuff now you have to change now you have to get better that's all it was and and okada said that issue with him as well he's you know progressed in his career as well to a point where he's gotten better or whatever but i just thought that was a really cool story to tell that it was just naito for the first time one-on-one and and okada for the first time was by himself there was no gato and then there was that familiar we, we know every time okada wins a big man event gato gets on the mic and does the rainmaker thing you know what i mean like this time okada he got to that point in his promo where it was over and it was done he had to say that and he looked around and he looked around and he looked around no gato he kind of shrugged the fans kind of laughed and he okada said all right cool and did the Rainmaker thing on his own. I thought that was a super symbolic, important thing because it was like, this guy is matured. This is, and, and, and he mentioned, too, he, he, in front of Kidani, Kidani was right there, the New Japan president, and said, I want to win G1. I want to have a bunch of successful defenses. I want this to be, you know, I want to bring prestige back to this title. That's an important distinction there. Okada now is becoming kind of a company guy. Which is cool. I'm all, I'm all in on him winning G1, by the way. I know people don't like that idea. I think he should win the G1, and I think he should win it in dominant fashion, and they should really continue to cement him. I, I mm-hmm. would have no problem with that. Um, you know, I'm sure they have something creative up their sleeve. Who knows? Everyone thinks Naito is going to win. I would figure that he's the odds-on favorite um, because you would think that Naito Tanahashi will be the domain event because, I mean, this, has, this, this feud has drawn well because, first of all, they – Naito Okada, I think. Oh, know, yes, yes, Naito. What did I say? You said Naito Imagine Tanahashi. Tanahashi but... winning G1 and challenge. I was gonna say, if you say that, we're gonna have a lot of people on Twitter going absolutely ape shit. You know what? That. You know so what? Imagine that though, and it, it's not completely out of the realm of Bob. no. <laughs> and but anyway, um, I think you look at this Okada Naito feud. They sold out Invasion Attack, right? Okay, mm-hmm. that uh, Sumo Hall. I believe that's only the third non G one Sumo Hall sellout in like the last decade. Might be the fourth. I think it's the third or fourth. Okay, then they go to Osaka, to Osaka Joe Hall, second year back in this building. Last year, the show drew 11-5 with a stacked show. Tanahashi, Nakamura, AJ Styles, Okada, the whole, the whole gamut. Everybody was there, okay? And the show drew 11-5. This show drew a shade under 10,000 fans with only Naito Tanahashi with no support. Uh, Naito Okada with no support. No Tanahashi, no Nakamura, no AJ Styles, no Kota Ibushi. This was the match that drew every fan of that building, okay? And it almost did 10,000 fans. To only be down 1,500 fans from last year's show, I'm sorry, I consider that a success, okay? And they sold out Invasion Attack for like only the third time in 10 years, Sumo Hall sold out on the back of this feud, okay? So the feud has drawn money. So there is an argument to build to the third match, 
at the Tokyo Dome. Keep them apart. I think they're going to be in opposite blocks in G1. I think that's a given. Uh, don't let them anywhere near each other. And then do the match again in the Dome probably isn't the worst idea. And unless they build somebody in a hurry, it's really the only match they have for the Dome right now. Uh, the only other person they can build in a hurry is the guy I accidentally – my Freudian slip, Rich, is Tanahashi. He's the X factor <laughs> here because he can come back and slip in. I don't think they'll do Tanahashi Okada again. Could they do Tanahashi Naito? I don't know how the fuck you get there from here, so I don't think so. And I think the only other guy, I think the guy that they very, very, very clearly are giving the slow build to the top right now is Katsuyori Shibata. I think you're going <laughs> And we'll talk about him in a little bit. I don't think sure. it'll be this year. I think it might be next year. It'll definitely be by 2018. You're going to see Shibata in the, finally in the main event mix. I think that they're finally seriously getting behind him because they've finally given his character some depth. Before he was just a guy that went in there and beat the shit out of people, and, and you know it was great and it was awesome, but there was no depth to his character at all. Now with this, should we move? <laughs> are we done with the other map? Maybe we could even move. Right in. Uh, yeah, I, I guess we can go there. I was going to say a scenario real quickly because uh, I mentioned I was talking to people on Twitter and they were going, "Oh my god, if Okada wins G one, roll my eyes." Da, da, da. And I said, "Well, let's think about it. If he wins." One of the complaints people make all the time is whoever wins the G1, oh, it's so predictable now because now they're going to just face at Wrestle Kingdom and we know who's going to – it would be kind of fun that if Okada won, then anybody can really face him. Then, like, you have an open season then. If Naito wins the G1, then it's okay. Then you know for the next five months or whatever, you know, the next – you know, or however many months, Naito's going to, you know, whoever he lost to, he lost to Goto and now he's got to face Goto in a, for defense of the briefcase. But you know damn well he's not losing any of those and it's going to be Naito Okada. If you have Okada win, now it gets a little fun there in that that fall. Now it's like, all right, like someone's got to step up. Someone's got to get to that point. I like that story a little bit. I know people go absolutely ape shit because, oh, my God, hello, Okada wins. Oh, like, which I think you brought up a good point that if if you're already upset by Okada winning a lot, you might as well just stop watching New Japan for like the next decade or so. Because like that's kind of the guy. He's like 28. He's not going anywhere. He's like that. You you might want to just like really just start watching all Japan or something because it's probably not going to go away. years old, proven draw. <laughs> like, sorry, like they're not going to not the push guy that, that. Like, they're behind you... 100%. I mean, he's not going anywhere. Like the tall, good looking 28 year old guy that they've obviously put a bunch of stock into. They're going to just say, you know what? Or it's getting a little old here, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, how about you go to the mid card? You know, you're, you're almost 30. Let's let's slow it down here. Let's get you on the eight. But you're, you're done with. I mean, he hasn't even reached. I mean, Jesus, yet, so. not like he doesn't go out there every month and have great matches. I mean, why would <laughs> like you might want to just stop? Why would you want this? Why would you not want this guy? To I mean, but there's a lot of fans turning on him. Western fans turning on this guy. And, you know, I, it's just it's like the Cena syndrome. They're getting sick of him. So, um, you know, but but yeah, so it's it's like um, I forgot. Oh, and real briefly, real briefly too. Another thing that I, I, people were bringing up as well is that uh, people were saying, "Oh, Okada being the company man," because I I wrote the article about, of course, you know, in front of Kadani, he's saying, "I will bring prestige back to this title and that sort of stuff." And people are saying, "Oh, that you know, Naito is very anti-establishment, and people like that, and people like that that you know Okada, or people won't like that Okada is with the establishment or whatever." We got to remember that this is in America. Like in America, it's fun to say, "Fuck your boss, I hate my boss, I hate my superiors," or whatever. It's a different country, Japan. You know what I mean? Yes. Like. We're seeing a storyline that we're going to talk about here in a little bit where a guy did not respect his superiors and people didn't like him for it and people booed him for it. And then he needed the respect of his superiors to move on to the next level. Like, let's not. It, this is an Austin 316 thing. You know, in America, it is fun to, to pour beer on your boss and tell him to go fuck himself. It's not the same in Japan. Like, and the thing about Naito is Naito is super popular, too. It's kind of split. Um, he, he obviously they uh, Los Ingobernables pushes a ton of merch. 
the thing is, you can turn him at some point because oh, people certainly. already like him. And uh, the possibility existed down the line. Because, and he, and I, I believe he's established himself as a draw for all the reasons I talked about already. So he's a made guy now. He's in the top mix. And I think you can count on him to fill buildings. I think there's no question about it. So at some point, you can get away from this uh, and, and you can turn him. And the easiest way to do that is when you're ready to elevate Sonata, which isn't going to be for quite a while. Um, I think we might be waiting years for that. And I think um, I've, you know, I've earmarked him as the guy that people are going to complain about. Because everyone is going to want Sonata pushed, and I really think you're going to have to wait. And um, I don't really have a problem with that. I think after all this time, if you still don't have faith in Gato, building guys underneath and getting them ready for the next level, you're either just – you have blind hatred or you're completely lost. Because he's shown time and time again that he slowly percolates these guys underneath. And you, you know, after we saw this roster overhaul – We've seen guys step right in, and the company has barely lost a beat. They're down a little bit, but people expected them to collapse. I think they've done a tremendous job hanging in there, uh, we, we, you know, all things considered. So um, you know, I, I think that you're going to have to wait a while for Sonata, but that's the perfect way you can turn Naito, but that's way down the line. But, uh, but yeah, I do think that um, you know, the next guy, the next guy in line is going to be Shibata. Yeah, let's just go right to that match. It's not really in order, but uh, I'm fine doing that because that was my favorite match of the entire night. I don't know about you, but uh, yeah, I loved it. It was so good. It it was just super super intense. And when the story of it as well, because it was the story played out in the match. It was like, you know, Nagata, there were times where he he basically humbled Shibata and a lot of it. And then Shibata just outlasted him and just stuck with it until the end and didn't give up and didn't let Nagata. And then just that's all it was. It was just like. You know, he got humbled in a little bit of the match, and then the end, he just showed that he was the younger, spryer, faster, and in this case, better than Nagata, and that was it. Nagata just went, all right, cool. I gave you my best. You gave me my best. You won. Here's the handshake. I like you. You're good. You're good in my book now. That's all it was. It was great. The theme here is Shibata, through this feud, has learned respect. Yeah. And in turn, I think the fans now view him on a different <sighs> sort of level because he has he, – he's he, – at the beginning of this feud, he was very disrespectful to all these older guys, and he had all these tough matches with them. He was humbled when he lost his title, and now he respects these guys. And he now has Yuji Nagata's stamp of approval as the next uh, you know, flag bearer and torch carrier of strong style. And I do believe that this feud is the kickoff to the true Shibata push because now he has some layers. Now there's some depth to his character. He was humbled, and now... He is, uh, he's, he's, he's the new representative of strong style. He's under contract, so they don't have to worry about that anymore. All that bitterness is gone, and I think we're going to see the rise of Shibata now, finally. Whereas before, uh, it was never going to happen in, in, in until they signed him to a contract and sort of went through this process. And now that they've done that, I think this is the guy to keep your eye on. He's clearly a guy they're going to push big moving forward. And I think uh, he, he has... Do, he has the potential to be one of the top star, a drawing star and a top star in this mm-hmm. company. I, I think he's, he's such a good throwback too, as well. I mean, you can trace so much of your history if you want through him. And I think that's going to be the way that they'll maybe do it is because he looks like those old, you know, he doesn't look like Okada looks like a flashy modern new Japan. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that, that sort of entertainment style new Japan, but you got this guy who just looks like he's right out of the mid eighties. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like he looks like, he, you know, he, he's, he's got the black trunks. He's got the very serious, you know, sort of stoic tone to him. Like you can just trace so much of it back to him if you want. And you can, you can give him a second. Like, you know, maybe one of these guys, one of these older guys, he retires from the ring. Maybe it's somebody like by the time Shabbat is ready to go, you got Nagata who's his second or whatever. And that can be, you know, uh, a, a tie into the history. Like you can yes. do a lot with Shibata. As that kind of guy, as like the torchbearer for the old strong style, like you're saying. Whereas, you know, Okada is your entertainment guy. He's your modern, you know, 20th century or 21st century sort of guy. But you can do that. It's just a really cool dynamic that they have with Shibata if they decide to do it that way. Which they will. I mean, it, you're not going to get this guy's not going to be all that much different. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's going to dye his hair blonde. You know what I mean? Like, this is probably what he's going to look like when he's awesome and when he's, you know, main eventing or whatever, which is cool. I, don't, I wouldn't change a thing Important about it. Important point. They've kept Okada and Shibata apart all of these years. They, oh, yeah. We have always mentioned that. Many years back. And again, you know, it's these goofy people. Ah, Gato's so stupid. These people are so lost. This guy has a plan for everything. And he plans everything out. This, guy's, this guy is essentially a booking genius. He's kept these two guys apart. They've had one match. They had a match in the 2013 G1 that nobody remembers. They've been kept apart. They didn't do a program against each other. And thank God they didn't. It would have been so stupid in hindsight to rush Shibata into some goofy title match on some Dantaku show or something, you know, in 2013 or 2012 or 2014 or whatever, and then you burn the match, okay? Now they've kept these guys apart. You're saving the match. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if they're on opposite sides of the G1 bracket either because they've kept these guys apart. If they're in the same bracket, I bet you they tease something for the near future, okay? Because this is a money match in the future, Okada and Shibata. They kept them apart. I believe that was mostly by design, very much intentional, and now you've got this big match saved. This is why, look, we all get frustrated with the conservative New Japan booking, but what do I always say is the flip side of the conservative booking? Yes, things will get stale sometimes, but you save your big matches. You don't burn through everything in a year. And here's a perfect example of an enormous match. If they would have burned through this match in 2012 or 2013, when they didn't need it, Rich, they had five competent draws back then. You didn't need to waste a Shibata push when you had Nakamura, Tanahashi, AJ Styles, Kota Ibushi, Kazuchika Okada, uh, Minoru Suzuki, and everybody else that was in the company at that time. You didn't need to waste Shibata's push then. Now, when their backs are against the wall and a bunch of guys leave the company – now you push a Shibata, and it means it, when you need to push him, and you've saved his big IWGP Heavyweight Title Challenge for when you need it. Brilliant, brilliant. This is why this is the flip side of the conservative booking, which can listen. The backside of 2015, Richard was boring, right? Because they kept doing rematches. But the flip side of that is you save your big matches for later, and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, to me, that's very smart, and it's very clear that this is the next guy to get elevated. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go. Let's go match by match. Now we can kind of catch up there. Uh, the opener, the Bullet Club, Bad Luck Folly, Hangman Page, and Yujiro defeating uh, the, the Hunter Club, rather. Uh, Captain New Japan, Yoshi Tatsu, and Togi Makabe. What was uh, your thoughts on this match? Because uh, I had very the little. Only, the only thing those. to pay attention to in this match was what kind of impression <laughs> would Hangman Page make in his first match, and I thought he made a very good impression. Yeah, I thought so too. I liked that the first thing he did in the ring was choke Yoshi Tatsu to death. Just to let you know, I am the hangman and here is the thing that I can do. And this guy had a broken neck. (laughs) Right. I was like, oh my god. All right. All right. Like, there he is. Like, right on the open. They're not subtle about it. I am the hangman. And he did his shooting star press off the apron, which the camera missed. 
but then they then they went, they showed you the replay, which I thought was mm-hmm. was important because that's his big spot, and they blew it. The production truck missed it, or the production table, whatever they use. And they're usually good. They're yeah. great. But so they missed that. Missed they went back to it. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good in the match. I, I, I thought agree. it was important for him to look good in the match, but that's really the only takeaway that matters. No, I mean, I, Makabe was – I didn't remember he was in the match at points. And, yeah, this was all just his focus on Paige. Like, and that's the only person I was paying attention to or watching either. So uh, that was my takeaway from that one as well. Uh, Ishii and Yoshihashi versus uh, Bushi and Sonata. I love this match. It was about eight minutes, but I thought it was super intense. Uh, I, I, I loved it, and uh, I love you – know, they're finally doing what I said they wanted him to do. They're doing the big-time elimination match. I'm a, I'm a genius. I was right. I can't believe we've reached a point in 2016 where Rich Krejci not only clamored for an elimination match. <laughs> they did but it. They got the one that he asked for. And, uh, the exact guys, too. The guys that I wanted in it, too. Yes. Like, Gato, get confirmed Voices of Wrestling listener, Gato. People are going to say we're on the take now, but we're not. I promise. I wish I, I wish I got it. If Gato is listening and you want to pay us uh, to say great things about you, please res- do. That, my geez. response remains the same whenever anyone jokes about that. I will take any promotion's money and show them. To yes, do. after Kidani, uh, please. Rich? Uh, there was somebody on Reddit that said, oh, you were one of the big reasons uh, New Japan got big. And I said, oh, okay, well, please forward this to uh, Takeaki Kidani and let him know that we uh, deserve at least some cut of whatever. That'd Joe Lanza is a whore. Uh, there's no question oh, about it. I, I will take anyone's money. I will shill for anyone. But I'm still waiting for these checks to arrive from anyone. Please. I, yeah, I would tell you. We would tell you too. I mean, we, we're we're you know MacWeldon.com promo code VOW twenty percent off on there. You know, hey, you've seen us. We're very transparent about when I'm uh, having uh, sex uh, and my Mac Weldon hoodie on my Casper mattress. Uh, I uh-huh. listen. I I will flat out tell you that I had uh, And you tell you tell the girl, hey, you uh, voicewrestling.com slash SeatGeek. You want to go to a concert? You let me know what concert, babe. We'll go. <laughs> absolutely. We'll get it from SeatGeek. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, yeah what, what insert insert terrible country singer here? Uh, what concert do you want to see of him? Yeah. We'll go to voicewrestling.com so I see Kick and we'll watch him right That's now. That's true. Maybe a Brad Paisley. Maybe a Brad Paisley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kenny Chesney, is he still in? I don't I, know. I think I, he's uh, still an active. I dated a girl who was a country fan for a few years, and that was uh, torturous. So Sure it was. Doesn't... She broke up with me because I would not go to country concerts with her, and I said, nope, you're right, so bye. <laughs> like, You are not wrong about that fact. You wouldn't so... even go to the country concerts. I really wouldn't. You didn't yeah, want to no. put on your Wrangler jeans no. and your cowboy hat and your no. buckle. And to- I couldn't do it. I tried. I thought about it, and I was like, "No, no, I have too much pride." Did you ever go uh, like like uh, square dancing with her? Or re- I, I ne- never. Did you ever two step, no. Rich? Did you do some two stepping? I don't think we did any two stepping. She's one of those like the pop country ones yeah, you're talking pop about. Country, yeah. It's not like the you don't do the two stepping or whatever. You just go and like listen to love songs, and but you're wearing a cowboy hat. You know what you it is? It, it's know? it. They're basically pop songs with like a fiddle mixed yeah. in like a little violin a string there's always a string instrument mixed in but they're basically and they talk more about their dogs a lot more dog talk which i'm all i'm, I'm on board with dog talk you can but, change you know. the arrangement on a lot of the pop country songs and they would just be pop songs if you just change the musical arrangement slightly you know that's exactly you're right they're just love songs basically what they are uh they're salt of the earth people talking about their relationships rich that's what it comes yeah. down to um you know and then they uh go hunting and kill animals and stuff right but, uh, right, skin that. <laughs> Use it as their profile picture on yes. Tinder. <laughs> uh, what match were we talking about here? Uh, we were talking about Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi versus Bushi and yeah. Sonata. Sorry, I was gloating about how right I was on the uh, elimination, the elimination match, match. That's up. Indeed you were. And uh, this could be the feud of the year. It's certainly a contender. Every single match these two sides have against each other is uh, – they're all lit, Rich. All of these matches. As the kids would say, yes. 
teams that these teams have against each other are they do very much keep it 100 they keep it 100 joe the entire time (laughs) they do that they that they do so uh yeah this was another highly enjoyable battle between these two sides and i love yoshi yoshi's my guy now he's just fucking pissed he just hates that guy and the finish well because this is different he's he's he just wants to rip the guy's eyes out he can't wait he hates him so much finish to this match was loaded with emotion uh, Yoshihashi had Sonata in his uh, new submission hold. Okay, now keep in mind, Los Ingobernables Japan won something like fourteen straight matches against Chaos on the Best of the Super Juniors tour when they had their three, they had their six man and eight man tag team matches or whatever. They won fourteen straight matches on that tour, and I think in eleven of them, Sonata choked out Yoshihashi for the finish with his Dragon Sleeper. Yoshihashi finally had an opportunity to finish off Sonata, and he's got him in the center of the ring. Sonata's got nowhere to go. Yoshi wants to win so badly, and that little motherfucker Bushi comes sliding in the ring and starts putting the boots to our man Yoshihashi. But what happened, Rich? Ishii to the rescue. He puts the chokehold on Bushi. He locks it in like Taz in 1996 in the center of the ECW arena, and Yoshihashi gets his tap-out victory. God damn it, Rich. I stood up. I clapped my hand. I was so pumped up. I'm pumping my fist. I love the wrestling, Rich, and I love the New Japan, and I love shit like this. That was so emotional, and it had me fired up. It had me fired up for Yoshihashi. Well, because you know Ishii is just like, I got to do everything in my world to let this little guy get his moment. Like, he needs this moment. He needs it so bad or he's going to be just such a little pouty pants the rest of the day. So I got to do whatever I can to make sure that he can keep this whole thing. And that he these can guys were yeah, so great. good in this finish, the timing of everything. And then Ishii just coming out of nowhere and slapping that choke on. And then Bushi's mannerisms as he's caught in the choke. And then Sonata tapping out. And the look on Yoshihashi's face, you just had to feel good for the guy. This is great pro wrestling, Rich. This is great pro wrestling. That finish was great pro wrestling. I loved it. And I can't wait to see this Yoshihashi Sonata singles match when they have it. I cannot wait. All right. Uh, then we'll move on to uh, Goto Evil, another equally good uh, Chaos versus Ingobernables match. Uh, nice little uh, chemistry between these two. We've talked about it before. Uh, Goto getting his win back, which we sort of expected, and now this feud will likely continue. So uh, that's about only my strong thoughts on this. I thought it was good, uh, but yeah, it's, there's not a whole lot you can take away from no, it. No, and they're going to continue this feud, and Goto is sort of in a similar place that Naito was pre uh, post Wrestle Kingdom embarrassment where he got voted to the semi-main event and pre Los Ingobernables Japan. Remember when he was kind of just a guy on the card and he really wasn't doing much of anything of importance and it didn't matter if he won or lost. It's kind of where Goto is. It doesn't really matter if Goto wins or loses right now because they're really not doing anything of importance with him. He's just a chaos guy, which makes this feud with Watanabe or evil rather, which makes the, the, the perfect feud for evil. Because this is a guy who I think, first of all, their styles are perfect for each other, and I think Evil can learn a lot working with a guy like Goto. And I think that this is a, a good feud for uh, for for Evil's uh, development. And um, I think that it's good because Goto can lose matches to this guy, and it doesn't really mean anything. It's okay. So they could have a good back and forth feud like they're having, and I think it's good for Evil's development. All right. Uh, then we had the four-way tag team elimination match uh, for the junior tag team titles, the Young Bucks winning the titles. Once again, defeating, of course, Matt Seidel and Ricochet, the champions, Red Dragon and Rapungi Vice. Of course, Red Dragon was protected yet again by doing an over-the-top rope elimination, and they weren't pinned. But uh, what would you think of this match? I just kind of, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this was my least favorite 
I hated all this the match. I, tags, just, I, didn't like. I like all these guys. I love everybody in the match, and I hated there's, it. There's hated no it. excuse. There's no excuse for this match not being great. But we're all tired of it. And I really think it was flat anyway. Um, if you're going to do these three and four ways with these teams, I just want them to go balls to the wall and throw psychology out the window and have a fucking spot fest. You got a bunch of great spot wrestlers in there. Go out there and have a spot fest. Especially when it's a wacky elimination match like this. Don't grind things to a halt and slow it down. This was so lethargic to start off with. And then it never really won me back. Um, and this was my least favorite of the three and four ways. I've had it with them. You know they're not done with them, unfortunately. I have no. I, I think it's time for the Bucks to go. Bye-bye. I've had enough of the Bucks in this company. Yeah, I'm kind of over them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I reached that point uh, a, a few months ago. And, and this, it was especially when they won, I was thinking, ugh. I, I think <laughs> their kinda... best role in this company now is as Omega's lackeys. I think they're great in that role. I don't really care about their matches anymore. And I, I, it's time for them to go to full sale and feud with New Day. I, it might have been that they weren't in those Super Juniors that it was sort of like, oh, hmm. It was like oddly, it was very refreshing. God, was that it was like, oh. such an improvement. Yeah, you're like, oh, maybe I, maybe we don't need them anymore. <laughs> like, they're gonna be great at, when, whenever they do go to NXT or WWE or whatever. It's gonna be fantastic, it'll, it, but it might be it'll time be the to reset that. button for them, and it'll freshen them up, and it's a new place. I've had it with them in this company. Mm-hmm. I don't mind watching them in Ring of Honor or wherever else, PWG. I've had it with them in this company. I, I've just had it. I'm tired of it. Um, you know, and and I just this match did nothing for me. All right, uh, move on to Kushida defeating. We were right. We were right. <laughs> Defeating Will Ospreay for the Junior Heavyweight Championship again. Yeah, another uh, Voices Wrestling was right thing here. And the match, uh, I thought the most interesting part about it was this was a Kushida dominance, really. I mean, he pretty much had Will Ospreay's number the entire time. Ospreay had a few little spurts here and there. But for the most part, it was the story was, yeah, Ospreay's good. And he's this hot shot and he's young. and He's great and whatever. But he's not at Kushida's level yet. Kushida's the ace of this division right now. And, you know. Will's got to wait his, t- wait his turn, and that was the story, and I think they told it well. I mean, I, I liked their uh, previous match a little bit better, uh, the Invasion Attack, but this was good, but it was more of a story match, I thought. It was more of just, like I said, telling that story that Kushida's just a better guy right now, and, and Osprey's got to you know get smarter, get better over time. Not a great match, a little sloppy, um, but they told the right story, like you pretty much just described and like we talked about last week. It's a much better story with Osprey losing again, and forcing him to look, they put him over a best of super juniors, which I thought was the right move. So it's not like it hurts him to lose again to Kushida. Kushida's the junior ace, and he's in the midst of, uh, you know, what I've been pounding home. This is going to be, when we look back, he might win the title again at some point. Uh, he might win it a couple times. This is going to be the definitive Kushida junior title run. This is it. This is the one that everyone's going to remember, and he's in the midst of that now. And, um, you know, whether Ospreay's the guy to finally unseat him, you've got Will Ospreay for the better part of two years. There's no rush. He won Super Juniors. You put him over. Uh, the fans have accepted him as a star. So he didn't have to win here. And this is the better story where Ospreay has to try to figure out how to beat Kushida. So no problem with it from that perspective. It was not a great match. It was a little sloppy. And uh, I, I don't think it was uh, a great match by any means. All right, uh, Briscoes versus the Grills of Destiny. The Briscoes have saved us. They have won the titles. Uh, what did you make of this match, though? We were all Briscoes on this night. Um, I could not have been any happier. Save <laughs> us, Briscoes, was the hashtag. And save us, they did. And let me tell you, just as we suspected, boy, did they work their asses off. And The crowd was into them, too. I like that. The crowd the loved crowd them. The crowd wanted to be into them and would pop for them. But then it's like the crowd would instantly die. 
These gorillas of destiny. They, <laughs> when they came out, Rich, this was the quietest reaction I think I've ever heard on a New Japan show, <laughs> like in years, for any piece of talent. Can you remember a reaction? There was like literally not a sound. They don't even bother booing these guys. I mean, it, it couldn't have been flatter. And I'll tell you, there's no way that the people in charge didn't notice that th- this team is just – this is the least over act in wrestling by a mile, like pushed act. Like a, yeah, well, when you, when you do like a relative – like sort of a graph of, of like push level to reaction level, yeah, I, I would say they are, they are certainly in the for top. anyone with a modicum of a push, they are the least over by far. And um, it's not yeah, nobody does any like you said. They don't boo. They don't hate them. They don't. They just it's like uh, it's like a little apathy, lethargic. Like it's just nothing. And for Japanese fans, that's the equivalent of go away heat, where they just give you nothing. Um, but I, I was told Japanese fans are always quiet. I'm just joking. And it's it's uh, terrible, terrible that people always say for some reason, but because they were like in the 80s. But right. um, oh, they don't make reactions. Uh, no, they do. <laughs> Shut up. Stop talking. You would you would, you know. Things tend to change over time. I know that's crazy, <clears throat> but uh, so <laughs> it's. Did you really choke that time, or were you? Uh, no, that was both. That was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of a little. I fake choked, and then I actually choked. So, so I mean, this team is just the opposite of over. I mean, if I would have seen this, look, maybe Tangaloa is a nice guy. I don't know. If I'm running a wrestling promotion and I saw what I saw on this show, he's not working for me anymore. Or I offer him a spot in the dojo. I mean, he just he the guy brings nothing to the table. Zero, Rich. I know we exaggerate sometimes. It's a radio show. We have to be entertaining. Hyperbole comes into play now and then. This guy re- genuinely brings nothing. What does he bring to the table? No, yeah. He brings nothing. He doesn't look like he's trying either. Like you always you always bring out that point of like at least try. If you're no good, look like you're trying. Look like you want to be there. Look like nothing just clubbing blows like he he would be boring in 1987 yeah. that it, it's that type of thing that like this style it, it's just it, it, it doesn't even lend itself to, to to any era it's just awful it's terrible what is he doing he doesn't have any charisma he doesn't emote himself at all i mean he doesn't even play to the crowd the, the guy is utterly useless he's not a new japan caliber wrestler he's not a major league caliber wrestler that's why he didn't make it in his last stop He's not a major league caliber wrestler. And and I think he's dragging down Tamatanga. And it, we may be reaching the point where it might be time to roll back on Tamatanga too. I just don't think it worked. I think maybe, look, we say it all the time. There's certain levels. And maybe he's just a really good enhancement guy. Because I do think he's a really good enhancement guy. I bragged about his work for years as an enhancement guy. Um and maybe that's what he is because he's not showing any charisma anymore either. And he used to show tons of charisma in his role, uh, way more charisma than was necessary for his role, to be honest, which is why I wanted the guy pushed, but his ring work, his ring work has slipped. It seems like he, his brother has sapped all of his charisma. And I really think it's time to abort mission on these guys. Um, has been with the company a long time and he certainly deserves uh, a chance to, to do something different. The other guy does not belong in this company. 
Uh, move on now. Of course, uh, we had Shabbat and Nagata, so we talked about that match a little bit. Uh, then Elgin Omega. This was the uh, ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Elgin winning uh, the ladder match. What do you think of this guy? Because I Meltzer loved it. Um, again, <laughs> it's his first ladder match ever, everyone. is I... I think it was similar to your Money in the Bank thing, where I was watching this, and I, I, I love that they were going all out. I love that they were killing themselves. I looked at the crowd was reacting. I liked that there was a lot of run-ins. Like, this is the match where I didn't mind that there was all these shenanigans and run-ins. But it was over. I just kind of went, I should have liked that more, but I just didn't. I don't know. I just, I, it had everything I should have liked. But I guess I'm just old now. I don't know. It was, it was fine. It was good. It was a very good ladder match, but... I, I don't know. It just I, I, I was left saying I kind of just wish these guys had a normal match when it was over. I think that it was too long. Overall, I enjoyed it. I like yeah, thirty three minutes, thirty three plus, thirty three thirty. Too which, long. Yeah, I liked it better. I liked it slightly better than the Money in the Bank ladder match, but I can't call. I I don't know, Rich, because the finish really turned me around. I love the finish when all the guys ran in. Oh, that was great. One of my favorite spots in the entire match, and a match with a lot of great spots, was was Yoshitatsu running down this long-ass ramp. And it took him like three minutes to run down the ramp, and it felt like an eternity. And the Young Bucks were just waiting for him on the bottom of the ramp, and he just ran into a double superkick and looked like the biggest geek on the face of the earth. I laughed my ass off, and I rewound my feed... About three times to watch Yoshi. That's why, that's why that guy's a geek. Like he he had me for an hour. I was a big fan. Now now he's just a geek. He's again. such a geek, and he plays the geek role <laughs> so well, whether it's unwittingly or not. 